Are you ready for pain? Are you ready for suffering? If the answer is yes, then you're ready for Captain Freedom's workout. Yes, it's America's yeah. own Captain Freedom. That's the ticket. No pain, no gain. WPC Smash, where wrestling and pop culture smash together. We are your hosts. I am Mike Moran. And I am Ian Wilson. We love wrestling. And you love wrestling. So let's smash the start button on today's podcast. It's showtime. Alright, alright. Welcome to WPC Smash. I am Ian Wilson. And I'm Mike Moran. What up, what up? Ah, how's it going, brother? How's it been? Not bad. Same old, same old. Working, grinding, chilling. Yeah. yeah. Grinding a little bit closer Ma- to WrestleMania major every single day. Grindage. Yeah. <laughs> Putting in that extra work to get some of uh, that overtime money to make sure WrestleMania is a blast. Absolutely, brother. That's all I've been thinking about lately. WrestleMania, is, you know, with a little bit of Royal Rumble splashed in since that's coming up this weekend. So we're definitely going to get to that. But let's start off the way we always do. Brother, what's going down on your side of town? The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order. All right, man, I'm going to start it right off. Uh, about last week, a little bit ago, um, right on the internet, it, whether it was Facebook, Google, Twitter, the dude abides, man. Jeff Bridges t- sent a tweet, sent a video, uh, this speculation on what it could be, but you hear Bob Dylan in the background, you see the dude in his classic jelly shoes and his sweater, he turns around, looks at the camera, and gives you a little like chuckle, like <laughs> gives the sunglasses look, and walks away. And that's it. But let me tell you, those like 29 seconds made my day. Like made my day. Um, a lot of speculation on what it actually is going to be. A lot of people are Yeah, we got a date at the end, you know. Yeah. Coming like, coming soon, more two, to come. Three, 19. Yeah. So you know, a lot of people are jumping to conclusions. The movie, there's a new movie coming out. You know, I really don't know. My guess is it's some sort of a commercial. It is the Super Bowl that day, whether, you know, the date they announced is the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, you know, take your guesses on what kind of, if you think it is a commercial like I do, you know, hit us up on Twitter. What do you think the commercial could be for? I'm thinking it's either a vodka or a Kahlua because, you know, white Russians, baby. Um,. The only, I I 100% agree that it's a commercial. I think that if it was a movie or an announcement for a movie, this is something we would have already heard about. The Big Lebowski is a cult classic. That is, uh, you know, something that we would have definitely, you know, and and will get into at some point and a, uh, at a later point down the road in the podcast talking about reviewing, um, just because it is a cult classic that everybody loves and, it wasn't a big box office hit, so it makes a perfect, you know, segment for us at WPC Smash. So, but straight up, I think it would have leaked already if there was a movie. I think if they uh-huh. were filming it, if they knew about it, if it was planned to be filmed. Someone would have leaked something. We would already know. So in my opinion, it's a commercial. Um, do they do liquor commercials during the Super Bowl? Yeah. 
I, uh, maybe not liquor. They do beer. Yeah. And speaking of that, I'm going to side off on a tangent. Uh, did you know that the network was like uh, red lighting and canceling marijuana uh, commercials? No. There was some like, you know, big brand marijuana because it's legal in a lot of states. And they're like, nope. But so people are outraged. They're like, okay, but we'll show Budweiser and promote alcoholism. Like, sure. Just a, a little thing like that. But that. I agree. I, I think I think they definitely do, you know, because there's the Ciroc's rem- out there. There's I don't Hennessy, remember there's... off the top of my head if they do liquor commercials. I mean, sure, like the guys like Budweiser are going to come in and pay that big money and say, yeah, Bud you know, definitely. we'll yeah. give you $50 million, but we don't want to see any other liquor commercials on that or yeah. beer commercials on your on your show um so i don't i can't you know let us know on twitter do you remember any liquor commercials in the in the trailers you know it could be milk you know because yeah. uh, it, it's crazy because like the liquor commercials too if i'm not mistaken like it looks like it's gonna be like a uh a mercedes-benz commercial all of a sudden like a car's sure. driving down the street and then it's just like a drink, Jack yeah. Daniels. Yeah, fa- <laughs> fancy, fancy, fancy boy vodka. You know, yeah, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I got you, dude. So yeah, that so, was a huge deal, dude. But I'm going yeah. with it's going to be a commercial of some sorts. And if you have any idea what kind of commercial it's going to be, or if you have a totally different opinion, definitely let us know. For sure, we shall see. And keeping it uh, movie themed, you know, a new trailer drop for the Spider-Man. You know, Far From Home, I believe it's called. Ah. Uh. So I watched it one time, like I didn't really dissect it just yet, but we did get to see uh, Mysterio. No, I'm not talking Booyaka Booyaka 619, that would have been kind of dope, Yeah. but Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. Mysterio, and it looked cool. I mean, I'm going to say I, I watched it one time myself, and uh, I, w- I was a big fan of the way they made Mysterio look at the end of the uh, trailer, and... You know, there's some debate on who else is going to be in the movie, but I, I you know, maybe Sandman, you yep. know, uh, got a little glimpse there. Uh, but, it, pff, man, we could go anywhere with that. If you, you could sit down and dissect it, and I'm sure there's YouTube videos that already did, but I'm telling you, man, that I agree that movie looks awesome. Yeah, check it out. And some other news, Zombieland 2 has a release. going to come out at the end of the year. That's going to be awesome. Zombieland 1 was a pretty awesome movie. You know, I dig that movie. But also to go with that, uh, you'll understand in a few seconds, Ghostbusters has been getting a lot of talk. A lot of rumors around Ghostbusters these days. A lot of rumors that uh, the script is done and everyone signed on. And then there's some pictures getting leaked of Bill Murray. Now, me being me, I'm always like, nah, that's not Ghostbusters. That's Bill Murray in Zombieland 2. Because he was in Zombieland 1 in his Ghostbusters gear, too. And it's only one picture I saw, and he looks just drained. Like, I'm like, I don't know, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm super... I love Ghostbusters. That's one of, like, the movie movies that my son, like, will consistently watch. So I've watched it a shit ton of times. Yeah. And I'm a little nervous that... Maybe uh, the original cast is a little too old for a good Ghostbusters, you know, sequel, uh, part three. Yeah. I mean, I've heard that it's going to be like their kids and stuff like that, but those movies don't really usually work out, you know, or, you know, end up being very good. So I'm a little nervous. You don't really, you have such a good thing with Ghostbusters one and two. Do you really want to, you know, mess it up? We, We shall see. Like a lot of these topics we're talking about, you know, only time will tell. It's exciting to talk about a lot of this stuff. Absolutely, man. Um, keeping on the movie train, keeping on the wrestling and movie train. Uh, I like to call it Paige's movie, Fighting With My Family. That's coming out uh, this week, I believe. You know, they're starting to do some uh, early sneak peek 
preview uh, screenings of it. I'm definitely excited to see this movie. It it follows uh, Paige, Soraya, whatever you want to call her, her real name. Her family is legit, you know, um, from across the pond, and they have their own wrestling business, and Paige has been wrestling since who knows when. Yeah, you know? 14 years old, I think 14, she says. Yeah. All right, yeah. So this movie follows that. It's produced by The Rock's company. I think The Rock has a cameo in it. And it's. I'm excited to see it. And I'm sure tons of wrestling fans are going to love to see that movie also. But switching gears, I'm going to hop into some video game news real quick. Uh, we got Kingdom Hearts 3 coming out. It's been a long time since the Kingdom Hearts game came out. Now it's on the, you know... The updated consoles, the graphics are gonna, you know, be out of this world, and you gotta save save the Disney franchise, brother. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be gonna be sweet. So, you know, keep your eyes out for that. Uh, London Toy Fair recently went on, and there's a little bit of Funko Pop news. Um, a lot of a lot of different ones. I won't get into like every single one that's out there, uh, but some that like caught my eye was. There's some KFC Colonel Sanders ones. That's <laughs> kind of cool. You can have him holding a bucket of chicken. Yeah. Or just holding his cane. There's Alex Trebek. I love me some Jeopardy, so I might have my eye on that one. A lot of new Batman ones, but, you know, there's always a ton of Batman ones. The thing I think is cool about these ones, the boxes are black. It's just the subtle differences that I just kind of think is cool. Yep. Some Scooby-Doo Pops, some Little Mermaids, some Incredibles, but also some WWE ones. Now... You know, basic, it looks like there's a Randy Orton, there's two Charlotte Flares, but what I think is awesome, there's a You Can't See Me John Cena, and it's a clear pop. It's like a see-through pop oh, of cool. John Cena doing like the You Can't See Me. That's a good idea, man. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I chuckled at that, and you know, if I see it out in the wild, I, I may, you know, may pick that one up. But, sure. you know, that's pretty much all that, you know caught my attention uh, there's actually some music news though uh maynard james keenan announced that we will see a new tool album by the end of the year vocal tracks were done months ago and now it's in that long monotonous mixing process yeah hey that's a huge deal man i'm a big tool fan yeah um i think almost everybody i know at least likes tool you know that the music is so different than anything yeah. else that's out there so i'm super excited to get a new album that's gonna be definitely cool there are a couple new albums that are, have been popping up in 2019 one uh for me is from an artist named darren miller he used to be the front man for cky but you know they had a little falling out so now there's cky on one side with everyone except for darren miller then Darren Miller now has a band called 96 Bitter Beings, and he's putting out his own his own tunes. And he just came out with a new album, and it's called Campaign, but it's Camp Pain. Nice. That's so a nice I, little play on words. Yeah, That's I definitely cool. thought that was cool. Um, so the music is all right, but his singing makes it because he's the voice of CKY. So for me, being a, a long fan of them, I, I dig the album. They do a pretty awesome cover of Beat It. Oh, yeah, man. There. I'm going to say, like, you know, when, when we were 15, 16 years old and we were CKY kids before it was cool, like years before yeah. it was cool. Um, I mean, I watched CKY on VHS. That's how old it yep. was when we were first watching those shows. Skating. Rocking that those tunes, dude. Um, yep. Playing '96 Quite Bitter Beings on guitar. One of the first songs I learned how to play on bass. Like, 
we were fans for a long time, dude. So it's cool to see like new tunes get out there with that voice of your childhood. Absolutely. I just wish, you know, they would uh, squash the beef and get together. Yeah. And just keep creating music. I mean, they're all doing their own thing. Darren Miller has a, a, a speed metal band, World Under Blood, which I love. But if you're looking for that CKY type sound, more laid back, then this skate album. Skate tunes, man. Yeah, Those this album's tunes. definitely one to check out. Then there's one more music little thing I'd like to point out. So I'm a big Lamb of God fan. And the guitarist, one of the guitarists for Lamb of God, Mark Morton, has come out with his, uh, or he's coming out with his own solo album but the first song he released as a single um with this album where he's a guitar player he's he's taking different uh singers from different bands and and you know making an album first singer like that a w- super group album yeah like deal? he has yeah. his band and he's doing lead but he gets different singers in to do different songs cool. for different tracks That's and awesome. the first one they released has chester bennington from lincoln park oh one of the last recordings he ever did in i his was life. just gonna say it must have been one of the last couple he did yeah for sure and the song is awesome and it's like if you might have seen it if i tweeted it it's like the greatest lincoln park song you never heard because it's badass and heavy but chester brings it he sings and he screams and it's an awesome song so check it out it's called cross off he always had a Mark super Morton. catchy voice. Oh, yeah. But like, it, it just works with, with this song. Yeah. So uh, I assure you that's it for me now. So I'm going to hit you, brother, with that hot tag. All right, man. Dude, straight up, I got a few things. Uh, I did have some things that you already touched on because we have so much in common as far as uh, basic pop culture goes. But a couple different things that I had. Um, I wanted to talk to you about Lego Lord of the Rings getting pulled off of uh, virtual stores. Yeah, what's up with that? Dude, how do you feel about companies deciding to pull games that have already been released off of virtual stores? And would that influence you to maybe buy a disc instead to make sure you always have it? If it was becoming more of a a common thing, mm-hmm. yes. So if it happened more than once or twice or, you know, a few times or if it happened to a big title like Halo. Yeah, or if Call it happened Duty, to me. Yeah. Like if it happened to games like, uh, unfortunately, I'm not playing this Lego Lord of the Rings. Sure. You know, but if and it if, happened to me and it's a game I'm playing every other day like we do with our Call of Duties and yep. our WWEs and it was affecting me, then, yeah, I'd have to think of an alternate decision. Yeah. And to be clear, if you had already downloaded the game through the virtual store, it, they didn't take it from your hard drive. Okay. But if, say, you needed the space and you deleted it, I don't think you can download it again because there's nowhere to download it from. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, that's... It's and on I, your hard drive. I do that all the time. Me too. You know what I mean? The the system that I actually play my games on doesn't have a huge hard drive. Um, you know, I'm sure I have a an Xbox, you know, with a terabyte hard drive mm-hmm. that doesn't ever fill up and I don't have to worry about that stuff, but for sure the Xbox that I actually play Call of Duty on um, doesn't have a huge hard drive, and I ha- I am limited to what games I can have on it. And I do delete stuff to make room for, you know, updates and the next Call of Duty or the next, you know, Halo or whatever game. Right. Um, so that's kind of a a weird deal, you know what I mean? And like it, like you said, I'm in that same boat where until it's a problem for me, I probably wouldn't worry about it. But it does make me nervous that they yeah. can just rip things like that. Um, Psych. <laughs> yeah, you thought you had it, but you deleted it off your system, and you were gonna play it in the summertime. But just kidding, no, you're not. So I thought that was kind of weird and uh, definitely worth talking about. Um, 
as far as you know retro systems go and stuff like that i got a few things uh japan japan made modding classic systems illegal including the nes classic the snes classic all that kind of stuff so Basically, if you don't know, a lot of people will mod their systems. You can go online, watch a YouTube video, and in about, you know, two hours with downloading, you'll have hundreds of games on your classic systems. Okay, yeah. Well, Japan made it illegal to do just that. The big problem is people were doing it and then selling them. You know, uh, they're not looking for Joe Schmo who did it at their own, you know, on their own at their house with their own system they're looking for the guy on amazon selling them modded up for an extra 20 bucks you know making a few bucks off of a couple hours work so that's illegal in japan and i think that that's something that's going to hit head our way eventually you know nintendo doesn't mess around with that kind of stuff we've talked about it in the past where they're going after you know emulated emulator sites and stuff like that so that was kind of a big deal for a whole country to say that messing with your classic system and adding games that weren't supposed to be there is illegal. Like, that's a, pfft, that's yeah. a you can go to jail for that, man. Bad that's boys, cr- bad boys. <laughs> crazy, man, you know? What you gonna do? You're not gonna play Super Mario 2. <laughs> <laughs> True, man. Damn, that was perfect. Um, speaking of emulators, um, you know, somebody hacked into a Switch and made a video online that, uh, you know, in Nintendo Switch's code their hardware there are two unused emulators on the hardware so we already have an nes emulator which they add you know a couple games to every month that you can play through their nes classic app on the switch you know most people do it most people have it it's free if you awesome yeah totally cool but there are two emulators that are unnamed in the hardware so i wanted to ask you what do you think those emulators are? And the, there is an SE, you know, to be clear, there's a Super Nintendo one that says Super Nintendo. It says ah, SNES. That's right where I was going to Yeah, go. so that one, there's technically there's more than two, but there's two that are unnamed. And the uh, SNES one's already there. It's clearly there. And uh, everybody knows what that is. We're just not allowed to access it. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and say GameCube and Nintendo DS. Yeah? That's where I'm going. I mean, not to, I mean, we could go in forever on, you know, talk going back and forth about this, but just to keep it short and sweet, N64 and GameCube for me. Um, I think that those are the systems that are on there. I think that they're ready to go. Now, my next question to you is Are you annoyed knowing that there's, you know, emulators ready to go and we don't have games for them? No. That Nintendo's holding them back? Switch has been out for two years now, and they're still holding back what that system can do. And a big problem with the Switch is that it can't do near what an Xbox or a PlayStation can do. Does it have great games? Yes. Is it only, you know, a handful of great games in my opinion? Yeah. You know, that that NES emulator is one of those handful of great things that it can Mm do. You know, they promise that you're going to be able to play, you know, watch Netflix and all these kind of things. But there's so much stuff that the Switch can't do that another system can uh, of course, you know, a big pro is that you could take the Switch with you yeah, and stuff like that. But, do. but Nintendo's basically holding stuff back from us after two years. Like, how yeah. long are they planning on grinding this system out? You know, are they going to give us the – the? let's just talk about the Super Nintendo emulator, which they talked about when they first launched it, that yeah. you were going to be able to do this. 
how long are they going to wait till they give us that that capability of getting the Super Nintendo games? I'm not even asking for them for free. Right. Like they're giving the NES game, which technically isn't free, but it's super cheap, so it's not a huge deal. But right. You know, they, they're holding back, and it's been two years now. Uh, how long is Nintendo going to hold back uh, what the Switch can really do to us? That is a tough question, and I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I don't know, look on both sides. Maybe there's a hiccup, and they don't want to just put it out and then have it mess up and, you know, cause some problems. But Sure. Licensing uh, issues, maybe, in, in, but they use their own. It's Nintendo. Yeah, they, use, yeah, they, they yeah. use their own game. And I don't know if you're asking the wrong guy here, because like it, the, the reason it's not bothering me is because if I want to play Super Nintendo, I have multiple different avenues. Sure, you know, I have the Famicom, the Japanese version. Yeah. <laughs> but if so, you wipe all that stuff away okay. and you know that Nintendo, you know, the Switch has that capability, but they're not letting you use it. Yeah. It'd be, it's basically it'd be like, pretty annoying. What it seems like right now is that there's a wall, and they're like, "We have this stuff, but you can't get past the wall to use it." Right, but someone found it, so we know it's there. So yeah. now, like, the general public knows, and it's yeah, like, a little annoying, little and it's, outcry here. Yeah, yeah. totally. Um, you know, just something to talk about. You know, yeah, it's for a, sure. It's a little. Well, I remember seeing something too when uh, Zelda came out, uh, Breath of the Wild, that someone found encrypted in the Switch. Like, it, it looked like almost like Zelda One original yeah but it was breath of the wild and it was like a way for the developers to kind of map levels but they were using 8-bit style and like someone found it was like playing through no way yeah so like i knew there was definitely some emulators yeah there's weird stuff in there but it's not like they're holding back from us yeah i i don't feel like there's stuff gonna feel cool when it does come out that's true that's true i just don't feel like uh playstation has things on their hardware that they're not letting us use yeah you know but i think nintendo's like you know 10-year-old kids aren't the ones who know this information, so they're not going to care. That's true. I, that's, that's just the way I'm looking at it. I don't know. It is pretty annoying. Yeah. It would be like, cool if we could have it. Yeah. Like, just give it to us, man. Especially, like, like, the GameCube thing. Like, man, there's a lot of game, you know, games on GameCube that I never played that I would love to play. You know, I was never a big GameCube guy. Come on over, brother. Yeah. You, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of things. Like, and even no, I, mean, I have played a lot of games system. compared to other people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, moving on from that, uh, Arcade One Up, dude. A lot of arcade one-up news. Bringing it. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I believe it was, uh, you know, uh, they were at a uh, game con, basically, and they had a setup that would blow your minds. They brought out all the 2019 info, and I'm going to lay it out there, you know, kind of brief, but if you want to check it out, there's tons of YouTube videos really detailing what arcade one-up uh, brought out during for the 2019 year, but this is what I'm excited about. First off... The three-quarter systems that everybody's used to, we're getting some new titles. So we're going to get the Final Fight system that we talked about many times. Final Fight's the main system. That's what the graphics are about. You know, yep. You're going to get Ghosts and Goblins, that's 1943, yeah. and Strider. Great cabinet. Super excited for it. But the one that I'm really excited for is um, you know, Mortal Kombat and... You know, the Mortal Kombat 1, 2, 3 are going to be on it. It's a Mortal Kombat 2 artwork. Okay. So that's super cool, in my opinion. And um, golf. Dude, you're talking like Golden Tee? Yeah, dude. The original golf arcade machine, Golden Tee. The one that we all dumped quarters into at Cheers and Webster. I was just going to say, how much money did we spend into that? We could have bought like two 
actual machines for, for, <laughs> for real, what dude. We threw into that thing. I mean, I ripped that machine apart at a, a local bar where we grew up. Uh, there was a lot of people who are super into this game. It's a competitive game where like people will go and gamble big money on and stuff like that. Not in the bar where we played, but yeah. certain places, like it's a big deal. I spent a lot of time playing Golden Tee in my day, so to have a Golden Tee machine in my house, super big deal for me. Excited about that for sure. There's a couple other ones, Space Invaders, yep. and um, I think that was it for right now. Yeah, they were. Oh, I, uh, Karate, uh, Karate Champ. Okay. And it does have the dual joysticks like Karate That's Champ cool. did. Yeah. I never played Karate Champ. It's a little bit before my time, but all I think about when I see it is. Uh, you know the opening scene of Bloodsport when he first gets to uh, <laughs> gets overseas and uh, he plays uh, Karate Champ nice. against his buddy and like that's how they become friends and he's like oh you were a little too old for video games awesome. <laughs> you know and they're playing Karate Champ so like yeah. that's what I think about um, when I see Karate Champ you know it's, I think Karate Champ has Burger Time and uh, two other games that Burger don't require sweet. any buttons just joystick type yep. games so super cool. Um, Getting into more detail, Arcade 1-Up is putting out different size systems. So they are also going to put out tabletop systems or bar top systems. Cool. So a lot of bars around town will have, like, the little uh, arcade machine that has, like, gambling-type games on it. Um, Various, you know, gambling games. Like, not really arcade games, but more like card games and... And stuff like that, touchscreen type thing. But the they, ones like uh, there's two of the identical pictures, but they're slightly different. Like, oh, what's different in the left sure, picture? Sure, yeah, yeah, like those. Yeah, anything like that. And there's like you know thousands of games, so there's like so many different ones. But these are going to be you know video games. It's going to be your Mortal Kombat's, your Ghosts and Goblins, um, stuff like that. So I thought that that was super cool. They are quite a bit smaller, and they only have one or two games on them, and they're going to cost quite a bit less so i thought that was super cool if you're just looking for one game or you don't have a lot of room or what for whatever reason you just want the smaller little bar top one it's got a smaller screen i think a 12 inch screen which yeah. is still good size when you're sitting right up on it i think that that's pretty cool man i think it's a good yeah. selling point it's going to come built maybe so you, you have a home bar it. yeah that's what i'm saying like <laughs> yeah. right on your bar sitting yeah. around your little corner bar in your basement Something like that's going to look super rad. They're going to have the basic games, uh, Pac-Man, Galaga. I saw Ghosts and Goblins, which is super cool. That's one of my favorite games to play. And uh, so, yeah, I thought that was really rad. And the last thing that they put, well, not the last thing, the next thing that they put out was wall-hanging video games. And I've never seen these before, except for very rarely, like, in a barcade-type place. Okay. Um, I'd maybe only seen one or two and in, in, I couldn't even tell you what game it was off the top of my head because I never really paid a lot of attention to it. <laughs> Usually it's more of like a card game gambling type game. Yep. Um, or something like that. So, some, not a video game, like a strategy game more type thing. Uh, but yeah, so basically it's a super thin light arcade machine that you can hang on your wall on a couple screws. You know what I mean? You find yeah. the studs in your wall and you... You put the screws into the studs and bam, you, you got a, a hanging arcade machine. They're saying you can hang it off the back of a door. You know, I don't That's know about I don't know about all that because I guess it's still like twenty pounds, which seems kind of heavy to me to be hanging off the back of your door. But when we were growing up, I don't know if you guys out there in Smasher World remember we had basketball hoops hanging yeah. off the back of our 
doors, and you would hang these basketball hoops off the back of your door, close off the bottom, and shoot your clothes into them. And I'll tell you what, man, I wouldn't empty that shit out till it was full to the top, and I couldn't shoot another pair of socks in there. Oh, yeah, I'd be and like... Dirty underwear, slam dunk, baby. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, don't, that, there must have been twenty pounds of clothes in there before I finally took it down. You know what I mean? So, it, to me, it seems a little heavy and uh, not really my personal cup of tea. I'd rather have like a machine that I can move around if I want to, like re redecorate. You know, redo like whatever, whatever I'm doing in my area. And that's kind of like once you hang it, it's kind of there. You could always pull the, the screws out, but then you got holes in your walls. And being a homeowner, nobody wants to put any extra holes in their walls yeah. if you don't have to. And especially with something that big, you're going to have to put those big-ass you know, supports in there before you stick the screw in and all that. Now you got a half-inch hole in your wall, not just a normal screw-sized hole. So to me, it's not my cup of tea but that's definitely going to be you know for somebody who has a small one bedroom apartment and you don't have even room for a bar top arcade yep you could put something like that on the back of your door and be rad as hell what's cool is they're they're just giving you options you know they're giving that's you true. varieties of slice of life man like, yep and these things are going to some options they're going to be um you know the smaller size screen and less games one or two games you're going to get you know pac-man or um, Galaga or Galaxian on one. Uh, you know, you're going to get one or two games on it. It's not going to be the full four, you know, or even the deluxe 12-game system. But you're getting options. Again, it's cheaper than the three-quarter size cabinet. So if you're really, like, looking for one game and you don't need a full cabinet with all the extra games, you can get something like this. And I think that that's super rad. And finally, they revealed a Street Fighter Two cocktail table sweet now i always have liked cocktail tables i think they're super cool in the video that i watched a few videos on them and there were people with their drinks on them Mm -hmm. so you know it's a thick plexiglass on top not something that where you don't ever have to worry about touching the top and that kind of thing uh and yeah people are sitting across from each other at like a cocktail table would be and for street fighter the screen was actually cut in half so each person got half the screen oh cool and i assume if you were like you know had a a one player game it would flip back and forth like if you were going back and forth and like galaga you know not a one player game but you know where only one person plays at a time that it would switch back and forth so you could still use the whole screen yep not really sure how that works because I they only showed the Street Fighter one, but obviously they're not just going to make Street Fighter. Yeah. So I thought that was super cool. Those are rumored to be a little more than the three quarter size cabinets, mm-hmm. which makes sense because cocktail tables are always more than regular, you know, um, arcade machines. Unless you're going legit machines, cocktail tables are a little bit less than like a legit Pac Man machine. A legit Pac Man cocktail table is going to yeah. be less because it's less popular you know what i mean if you're going to spend 1500 bucks 2000 bucks on a pac-man machine you probably don't want the arcade you know the cocktail table version so they have to sell that for a little less to try to move those things out the door yeah my favorite arcade uh cocktail table was a demolition derby game it had six uh steering wheels Oh, yeah. You can sit right at it, man. That was always my favorite. Like That's a fun one. stop jam, dude. I played that with my son last oh, true? summer. Yeah. They got oh, it there? Oh, cool. yeah. Because they had it at a certain uh, Hampton Beach. It would know, be like local, red, blue, local. yellow, green. Like you were yeah. just a color. Yep. And uh, you, you jumped Very up to the simple, color. Very simple, but you just mash it up. Smash yep. them up, baby. So they're going cool, to have more than, you know, 
just Street Fighter, so I'm super excited to see what they are going to have. And just the fact that they're jumping into cocktail tables, like, man, if I'm finishing my basement and I want a nice, you know, cocktail table, you're talking 150 bucks. So for double that and maybe some extra change, you could get a cocktail table that plays video games too. Like, you're the man. Yep. Pretty much, like, right off the bat, like... Oh, let's go hang out in my basement and watch TV. Put put our drinks right up on here. Oh, you want to play some Street Fighter Two? Like, like, right oh, here. You, you, you talking shit? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want to bring it, baby? Yeah. The cocktail table says we could slide yeah. these chairs over right now. No being Dalsim. That's cheap, bro. Yeah. I don't, I don't have to go hook up any machines. We don't have to stand up at any arcade machines. Nice. We can just get down with it right now. So I thought that that was super cool, especially somebody who has like a wraparound couch. You know. Uh, you have it in the middle there where you can, like, sit on the side of the couch and you don't have to have chairs coming up to it and stuff like oh, that. Cool. You can just kind of lean over and, and play whenever you want. Your buddy's, like you said, talking crap. Like, oh, man, if my team, you know, scores the next point, you know, touchdown, we're getting down on this machine, you know, whatever. You know what I yeah, mean? For I hear you. Talking crap, you know, and having a good time like bros do. So I thought that was super cool. So much arcade one-up news. I really like the, the way the company's going. The only thing I don't like is how much money everything's going to cost me you know, <laughs> and where all the room's going to go. Yeah, I'm being very patient right now. Luckily for me, <laughs> I have a basement that's not finished. And when it is finished, I'll have plenty of room to put, you know, a line of them up. And when the homies come over to watch games and stuff like that, they can step up to the machines whenever they want and have a good time. And I think that that's super cool. And, uh, yeah, man, Arcade One Up. Great job. Everything that you guys showed off I thought was super cool. So that was a big deal in my book. And um, last thing for video games, Mortal Kombat 11. Dude. Yeah. Trailers. Did you watch this stuff? Yep. Oh, my God. It was the most brutal video game I've ever seen in my life. They showed a few fatalities. And I'm not going to... Not only could I not describe it to you in the gory detail that is needed to really, you know, paint that great picture, but man, go check out some Mortal Kombat trailers. They are out of this world. If you thought the last Mortal Kombat was brutal, Mortal Kombat 11 is going to blow your mind. They brought all kinds of e-celebrities and regular celebrities that are known for being video gamers out to their big reveal. Everybody was cosplayed up. Yep. Everybody got to play video games. Wrestlers were there. Esport people were there. YouTubers were there. And they all got to you know play, these game, play this game. And I'm super excited for it. I haven't been so excited for something that wasn't Call of Duty in a long time awesome. after watching these trailers. Definitely, man. definitely. I want to rip somebody's rib cage apart and watch their heart beat in my hands on Mortal <laughs> Kombat 11 because that's the type of stuff that's going on, man. Super brutal. New characters that can do new things. Everything about it looks great, it brought man. back Baraka. Yeah. Woo. Mortal Kombat 11, <laughs> dude. Cannot wait. And finally, I know that this was a little bit of an extended segment, so I apologize to you, Smashers, but... The last thing, I'm going to keep it quick. Heroclix new set, EarthX, comes out in uh, about two weeks. And I'm super excited for the chases. We got six chases in the set, and they're all Venom variants. I won't spoil anything for anybody who doesn't know and is waiting to open up their booster packs and see what they got. But let me tell you, I'll spoil that their chases are Venom variants. You know, that's... 
Bam. There's your hint. Yeah, Venom variants. Nice. And if there's six of them, you know that Venom is taking over some people that you haven't seen him take over before. And I'm super excited for the new set of Hero Clicks. Can't wait to snag some up for myself and get rolling on my table with the, some dice and some new clicks. So, dude, that's what I got for what's going down on my side of town. Thanks for that hot tag. What happened to Bazaar? Uh, he had to split. All right, Smashers, now let's take a trip into Mike's Man Town. All right, what up, what up? Welcome to my man town. This week I am playing a game that I love playing. I'm pretty sure anyone who's ever had a regular Nintendo NES system has played this game. I'm talking Super Mario Brothers 3. Quite possibly the best game on the Nintendo. In my opinion, it is the best game. It might be the best game of all time. Like, not to jump in you know right here like right no problem bro you're in my man town what's up dude i gotta tell you that if somebody asked me what's the greatest game of all time if i'm gonna play one video game for the rest of my life super mario Bros. 3 probably it yeah there's just so much to do so let's give you a little little history lesson here uh if you haven't played the game but i'm sure you did so you all know that there's eight worlds and in this one you walk around a map to get to each level uh, you can skip levels. For instance, in the first world, you don't even have to go to level four if you don't want to. You can just go right down to the castle. Um, well, the the mid castle. So there's mid castles. What's cool about it on the map? There's toad houses. The toad houses. You can get power ups that your buddy Toad leaves in a treasure chest for you. There are mini games you can play. Um, the matchup. You know, you match the different logos. If you can get them, you can get one up, three up, or five up. It's like a rotating slap machine type thing where you're trying to get them all to match up. You know, trying to hit all those sevens, but it's a mushroom or a star. Yep, absolutely. And there's the end card, which is a match game, plain and simple. Um, Then there's some... There's so many awesome hidden things in this game, which makes it so fun. You can play it a couple different ways. You can hit every level if you want, or you can get the whistles. Now, the the, or the flutes, whatever you want to call them. They might actually be flutes. I call them the whistles. There's hidden entrances to different levels. Uh, entrances or exits, rather. Different ways to beat the levels. And with these flutes, you can warp to another world. Now, like I said, there's eight worlds. Here's a little interesting fact. Um, so, there was a re-release in the U.S. And when they re-released it, in the credits... Uh, they gave the the each world different names. So the original, I'll, I'll go through the order. I'll go original and then what the re-release was. I just think this is an interesting tidbit here. We have Grassland. That stayed the same. That's the first. I'm sure everyone has done level one at least of Grassland. Then you go to Desert Hill, also known as Desert Land. Then we have Oceanside, which is renamed Waterland. Big Island, which is renamed to Giant Land. The Sky to Skyland. Ice Land to Ice Land. <laughs> Pipe Maze to Pipe Land. And Castle of Koopa changed to Dark Land. 
there's so many different worlds that like just reading through them like oh that was my favorite oh no that one was my favorite like i can't even pick like at one point i was all about giant land i just thought it was cool when you go to giant land all the bad guys are huge the question mark blocks are huge it's 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 out of this world it's different but then the sky i always like the sky because in this mario uh let me back up a little bit there's a couple different power-ups you know you get the mushroom you can become super mario big mario you get the flower power you can you know spit fireballs but in this one there's a raccoon leaf you turn into a raccoon and you can fly when you get the uh the meter up to the p so you could fly but then in the skyland which is world five my favorite suit like ever out of a mario series is the tanuki suit now the tanuki suit can fly but also, if you hit down and B, you turn into a statue and the enemies walk right by you. I thought that was, I don't know. I just thought it was awesome. Like, whenever whenever you had that one. In the sky, you also had a Hammer Brother outfit. I don't know. Uh, Hammer Brother, it's sweet. You could just, just like the in the Mario 1 with the Turtle Hammer Brothers, you could throw a hammer at the bad guys. Um, backtracking in, in the ocean side the waterland there's a frog suit where you can jump extra high and when you swim you swim so smooth and it's pretty cool but i mean it only really works well when you're in world three and then pipe maze that one there's like the first level there's different ways to finish the level and the first level that is and there's a huge hack that you can do like a glitch that you can get right to the end of the game if you do it the right way I've never done it, but check it out on YouTube. The Super Mario Brothers 3 pipe maze, like, finish. Because there's so many pipes in the level. If you hit a turtle in the right spot and you jump up a pipe while ducking or crouching, it, like, brings you into a tube and it brings you to the very last frame of the game where you're saving the princess. Super weird. Yeah, <laughs> like, that is weird. That's wild. I never even heard of that. Yeah, man. Uh, there's a lot of different... Um, tips and tricks and little glitches that you can do in this game um here's one here's a cool little tidbit so at the end of each castle which you end up being now now when i say so each world has about eight levels eight eight to ten levels and then you're ended at a castle when you get to the castle you see that the king has been turned into some sort of creature whether it's a dog whether it's a spider or a monkey whatever it is then you've got to get on this floating ship each floating ship, the final enemy on it, is one of Koopa's kids. When you fight Koopa's kids, when you finish and you beat them by jumping on their heads three times, you get a wand that turns the, the king back into his normal form. Now, here's a little tip. Um, if you are either in a frog suit, tanuki suit, or a hammer suit, the king, when he thanks you after you beat them, he gives you different dialogue. Like, instead of saying, thank you, Mario, you are awesome for saving me. He's like, hey, little frog dude, thanks for saving me, little green guy. Like, yep. just something they they threw in there. Um, one of my favorite things to do, like I said, I love being the Tanuki. Um, in one of the worlds, I, I believe it, it might be like 5-5, five, five, um, there's a Karibo green shoe that the Goombas are in. And the Goombas jump around this little shoe, and you can bump him on the head you can jump in the shoe and now you're pretty much invincible to like spikes on the ground and, and whatnot but if you are a tanuki 
and you jump above the Karibo shoe and then turn into a statue and land into the shoe. No, it sounds like a lot, but if you do that, now you're completely invincible. And you can just go around the level doing whatever you want and just having fun. The only downfall to that is you can't go through any pipes. So you can't finish the level. Uh-huh. So it's like you can do this cool trick and show off to your friends like, hey, check this glitch out. But that's the you end know, of the game for you. Yeah, you, you're going to have to hit that reset button or, <laughs> or fall down a hole and just and take a death, you know. Yep. Um, a, a cool note about this one. Um, this is the final game where Miyamoto was credited as a designer. From here on out, he just then became a producer for games. So this is one of the last ones um, he became a designer. Um, only on the United States version or the, I guess, international version, a.k.a. not the Japan version. If you beat the game completely and you go back and hit start and it brings you to the start menu, when you go back into World 1-1, you have a complete inventory of P-Wings. Now, when you're on the map... I didn't say this earlier. When you go to those little toad houses and you get like a mushroom or star from him, you hit Y when you're on the map and you can start a level with a star or start a level as Super Mario. But if you beat it, you go back, you can have P-Wings and P-Wings give you invincibility to fly. You just, you can fly as much as you want. And speaking of Japan, a little uh, different differences between the Japan version and the international release. And when I say international release, I'm referring to the United States release. If you have a suit like a raccoon suit and you get hit by an enemy in Japan, you turn back to tiny Mario in America. You just turn back into super Mario. You just lose your raccoon abilities. So it was a little tougher in Japan. Um, So that that's kind of cool. And then once the uh, Game Boy Advance came out, I don't know if you're familiar with the e-reader that they came out with. It was like a card system. Yep. They actually came out with 20 more levels for this game, for Super Mario Brothers 3, for the port that was on the Game Boy Advance. Yep. It didn't do too well in America, the e-reader, that is. So in America, there's only actually 10 levels that were playable. Yep. However... If you had the Wii U on the virtual console, they put all 20 extra levels on the Wii U virtual console. I think I do have that. Yeah, nice. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, they're like just some special levels. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the biggest things with Mario 3, like I said, it's an awesome game. You can play it with two players. It's The music is fun. It's all the great things you want out of Mario. But here is a big... It's been like a conspiracy theory that I've obviously looked into. That Mario 3 is actually a stage play. Now, when you start the game, the curtain raises, and then you see, you know, Mario and Luigi jumping around. And at the end of every level, you exit stage right. Like you hit the little block and you exit stage right. So people were like, oh, this is just like a dream or a stage play. And in an interview, Miyamoto actually, when, when, now, in this interview, when Mario Maker came out, which was like 2015, around that, he actually confirmed, yeah, you're absolutely right. Super Mario Bros. 3 was a stage play on in, in game form. Wow. So that that's some pretty interesting... Conspiracy theory confirmed. Yeah, like. right? And he, I, he digged the fact that there was all these different articles about it, and then he came out and was like, yep, you nailed it, guys. Like... 
and there there's so much more i could get into about this game but i'm just enjoying playing it like two little more tidbits um you know the chomp chomp chain that comes after you yeah um well one thing that some people don't know is if you just stand there and let him jump at you on the 50th time he lunges he's breaking free Oh, he's coming for you. Yeah, no, I never sat around long enough for that to, to find yeah. out that. And that bad guy, as I like to call him, that enemy was actually created from Miyamoto's childhood experience with his neighbor's dog. The neighbor's <laughs> dog would always run and get get pulled back from a chain. No kidding. And then the boo was from another developer. <laughs> he made it because it reminded him of his wife. Because whenever he turned his back, she was running around and screaming and chasing him down. And he'd turn around and she'd be all quiet. Yeah. And they put that into a game. So now when you're in a castle getting chased by a boo, you can just always think of your loved one <laughs> doing the same to you while you're sitting there playing video games. It's wild. For this game, like I said, tons of fun. Easy to pick up. Easy to beat right away. You can just use those flutes and get right to the end. Or easy just to chill and play a great game so mike's man town this week we're playing mario brothers 3 check it out previously on x-men all right this week on tabletop tips i got something special for everybody out there and one thing that i've been thinking about lately is our home Pathfinder game, our fantasy Dungeons and Dragons dice rolling game. We actually play Pathfinder, but it's, you know, theoretically known as Dungeons and Dragons. Um, everybody's heard of the game. A lot of people have played it. And I gotta be honest, it's getting pretty popular these days. There are huge podcasts and YouTube shows just on Dungeons and Dragons. Um, just in general, the more people you talk to about it, the more people are playing it right now. Ten years ago, even, you know, a couple of years ago when we first started talking about playing, up until one year ago when we actually sat down and got serious about a campaign with our group of buddies here at WPC Smash, it's gotten way bigger since then. So what I want to go over for tabletop tips is where do you begin if you've heard about this craze of Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder, how do I, you know, start? Where do I start? And the easiest way to start playing a tabletop game like Dungeons & Dragons or like we do Pathfinder is to get a starter kit. These days, they make starter kits. So Pathfinder has one, Dungeons & Dragons has one, and just for, you know, layman's terms and the way everybody else thinks about it and talks about it, I'm going to say Dungeons & Dragons you can go get yourself a Dungeons and Dragons starter kit for whatever, 50 or 60 bucks, and it's gonna have everything you need to get going. It's gonna include your basic rule book, your basic, um, you know, monster uh, index, codex type thing. Um, basically, everything you need to have one session of Dungeons and Dragons, which could basically be, you know, three or four hours or something like that. And it's going to give you everything that you need to get going. So you can try it out with your friends. So um, then you can, after that point, you can buy more books to expand your your roles in Dungeons & Dragons and learn you know, more about the different characters in the world of Dungeons & Dragons, which is so ever-expansive. You could never know everything about everything. That... Um, you can just keep going with it. It's not something that's ever going to end. 
you know, once you go through all the pre-made stories, which basically your dungeon master would walk the party through the story. After that, the dungeon ma master can make up their own stories and you can walk through them again and you can create new characters and you're not going to level up your characters so fast that, you know, you get bored with it. It takes a long time to really level up a character and characters die just like in video games and you become really attached because you spend a lot of time you know working on your characters and stuff like that and i could get into super detail but i'm going to not do that because this tabletop tip about is about where to start get yourself a dungeons and dragons starter kit you can find them at your local game store you can find them on amazon they're reasonably priced get a couple sets of dice realistically you and your friends could share a set if you absolutely wanted to but it's nice to have your own set in front of you but if you've just been thinking about jumping into the new craze uh of tabletop games of dungeons and dragons which is really hitting a the high these days go get yourself a starter set get a couple friends sit down try it out see if you like it and then do some research and take it from there so right off the bat tabletop tip if you want to start playing Dungeons and Dragons, get yourself a starter kit. And I know that that sounds obvious and basic, but that is, uh, you know, a question that you hear a lot and you see a lot and I get from people when I tell them about it. So I thought that it would be perfect for tabletop tips. And our tabletop tips, Hero Clicks tip of the week, courtesy of Jedi Legend at MarkLegend007 on Twitter, is... When a figure has shape change and super senses, you'd roll for shape change first. Remember, if another target cannot be found when you roll for shape change, that attacking player has used their action and you don't need to roll super senses at all. Perfect tip for a new player out there. Super senses and shape change, a big part of your defense in hero clicks and if your character has both of those powers you would always roll shape change first thank you uh at jedi legend on twitter for that tip and as always keep rolling at wpc smash and now we're on the street we're on the street all right word on the street Dude, a lot of big news lately, and we'll start off with, you know, before we get into the Rumble, because it is Royal Rumble season, Yeah, as we both know, you know, we're WWE guys, heart and heart in this house, but there is some other big wrestling news, some huge wrestling news, and that is AEW Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling. We talked about rumors and what we thought before anything had ever got announced, and we were pretty spot on. You yep. know, uh, main thing with All Elite Wrestling, right off the bat, it is Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, they went and got themselves a money backer, um, Khan, I forget his first name. Tony. Tony Khan. Yep. The son of the owner of the Jaguars, right? Or does yep. he actually own the Jaguars? He might be like co-owner, but they together they also own another football team in London. Okay. So they got some money. Yeah, yeah. So they they went and got themselves a money backer. Who's a wrestling fan. Tony, the son, probably our age, wrestling fan. So this is this is awesome already. Rumor, <laughs> like, rumor has it he's a huge wrestling fan, and he used to be a tape trader, and he is known among the old school tape trading community, which is a little bit before our time, but yeah. still, like, 
to know that he was such a fan that he was involved in the internet tape trading community when the internet first started and stuff like that that's super cool to me he's a legit wrestling fan and he's got the money to back it up right now so young bucks cody rhodes they're running the show they are you know, uh, co-owners, I might say. Um, I think they sign contracts, so I think technically Khan owns the company. Yeah. But, but they're like the VPs. Executive producer. Yeah. They're the Eric Bischoff and yep. whatnot of the company. So I think that that's super cool. We kind of knew something like this was going to go on, but we didn't know the details of it. So those are the details. There you go, Smashers. And anybody who's a huge wrestling fan really knows that stuff right now. Um, so I'm just going to go into a couple of the main things that happened big signings chris jericho came out yep they went and did a big uh you know reveal like a press conference a public public forum they went and got conrad thompson i thought that was awesome to to be the uh the mc of the night right yep yep and so i thought that that was super cool you went and got the biggest voice in wrestling right now especially in the internet community to be the MC of your wrestling conference. So I thought that that was super cool. And the main person that they announced that would be joining um, AEW was Chris Jericho. They yep. kind of wrapped up the conference and then boom, like smoke hits. And I don't want to say the lights go out because that's not what happened, but that's kind of the effect you got. Yep. And bam, when the smoke clears, there's Jericho. Yep, Fozzy music hit and here he came. And we kind of thought Chris Jericho was going to be like a co-owner. But I much prefer the way things went down where they went and got a real money backer yeah. to back the company because this is a guy who has a you know contract with a a main TV company with the Jaguars. I mean, I'm sure they're on ABC or NBC or CBS down there. So he has contacts yeah. in TV, which is something that we talked about was that for AEW to succeed, they needed a big TV contract, and it doesn't seem to me like that's going to be a problem. I know there's rumors out there that they are already working on a contract with TBS. So, yeah, um, TBS, obviously, uh, former big-time competitors of WWE where they own WCW. So, you know, getting TBS back into the wrestling Community, I think is huge and cool. Obviously, that's just a rumor right now, right. and I'm sure there's a lot of technical things that go on with that. But Tony Khan's going to have no problem getting a big time TV money deal for these guys. And the other big thing was the announcement of uh, the new, the next pay per view in Las Vegas. Yep, double or nothing. Double or nothing. They haven't really announced anything other than there's going to be a big pay per view in Vegas, and the name of it's going to be Double or Nothing. And that it's, what, six months away? Yeah, it's not too far away. So they're really getting their their ducks in order, as you might say. They signed Pac, um, Neville, yeah. as the WWE fans might know, who you know I was that a was huge cool. fan of in WWE. And he's already got the uh, little feud going with Hangman Page at the press conference. So yeah. I thought that was cool. Who's also signed. Yep, they got, they got themselves Hangman Page. SoCal Uncensored. So you got Christopher Daniels and Kazarian in there. Huge fans of them. Mm-hmm. So um, I am really into what's going to go on with that. I love to see the competition. Obviously, the rumors have gone rampant of you know mid-card WWE guys trying to make the jump. Um, AEW is all over the indie scene, signing guys here or there. No huge, huge names, but big indie guys. But nobody that, you know, really 
sells the company to me. Yeah. But I think as contracts start to run out, we are going to see guy uh, WWE personalities jumping to AEW, and that's going to be a big deal. I guess Dolph Ziggler is probably the biggest rumor right now. Yep. I mean, he's a big-time, long-time WWE guy who supposedly turned down a you know producer role and will probably make the jump to AEW. But again, these are all rumors. Right, you never know. Just wanted to point out that we have a new wrestling company in the community, and I'm always happy to see wrestling. Yeah, it's exciting, dude. Wrestling grow, man. We want wrestling to grow, and th- and this is the perfect way to do it. I hope that everything goes well for them, and I'm going to be watching every step of the way to uh, you know, support more wrestling in the wrestling community. Um, on a downer note, uh, we lost uh, one of the main voices of our childhood, and that's Mean Gene Okerlund. Uh, R.I.P. Mean Gene, you were the backstage voice of wrestling of my childhood and of most of the people who probably listen to this podcast, you know, grew up with Mean Gene being the backstage voice, whether it was in old school WWF or WCW during the Monday Night Wars. Mean Gene was a big part of wrestling for a long, long time. He was the backstage presence and he set the the standard for people like Renee Young to Get a job in WWE because that role became important because of Mean Gene, in my opinion. You know, obviously they had backstage announcers in old, you know, old territories and stuff like that. But Mean Gene really set the precedence of that this is an important, needed role where you need somebody who can not steal the show, but help tell the story. Yeah, man. I sure absolutely, dude. Um, I love me some Mean Gene. That voice is ever etched in my memory and uh rest in peace brother enjoy uh the matches up there with you know macho man and all the others who have uh left us way too soon a dear friend of mine whose name is synonymous with wrestling the smiling mean gene ogreland you know something mean gene you know something mean gene mean gene they'll beat you up halfway around the lake come on gino Hulkamania never would have gotten as big as it did without me and Gene Oakland. Wrestling has got us spend everything to me. And it turned out to be a great time. It's a good life. If one day I'm called up to the big house, if I'm called, they'll have a funeral. I want you to bury me face down. And then all of my critics can kiss my ass. Next up, uh, Wrestle Kingdom went on, dude. That was another big pay-per-view. Yeah. New Japan. Biggest pay-per-view of the year for them. That's their WrestleMania. Absolutely, man. And... New Japan um, has been really good over the last couple years. I think over the last six months, it kind of stalled out a little bit, in my opinion. It got a little less exciting just because we've seen a lot of what they had to offer. But Mm -hmm. Wrestle Kingdom always blows everybody away. The matches were great. If you haven't seen Wrestle Kingdom... 100% 100% of the title matches, the title was switched. So this is a ma- uh, you know, a pay-per-view that you really want to see. Yep. In my opinion, uh, New Japan 
really got nervous about AEW and WWF also being nervous about AEW really put this, you know, the shakes into New Japan because they put all the titles back on Japanese wrestlers and um, guys that they had locked up. You know, uh, yeah. Juice Robinson. Yeah, that's obviously, exactly what I was thinking. Obviously, isn't you know a Japanese wrestler, but but New Japan has him locked up. So there's a lot of big time title changes, and if you like wrestling as much as we do here at WPC Smash, you're gonna want to see this pay per view just to just to get all the swerves and all the title changes under your belt. TNA Homecoming. They had a super botch world title finish. Man, I've been into TNA lately. They're super um, edgy. Uh, the context of the promos is, you know, there's a lot of foul language and very attitude era ish. Yeah. Um, Scarlett Bordeaux is bringing the sexy back to wrestling, and uh, I'm totally into it, dude. It's way different than what WWE's doing. Yeah, it's way more attitude era ish. Uh, pushing the envelope. Yeah, man, and I dig it because that's what I'm looking for. I want to see something edgy. I get that if WWE does the things that TNA is doing right now, they're going to get all kinds of backlash and all kinds of, uh, you know, SJWs running all over the place, uh, <laughs> hating on the product. So I'm glad to see TNA do it and not care about what happens because they only got one way to go, and that's up from where they are. So TNA, congratulations on where you are. But your homecoming botch finish was a little weird to me. Cage and Morrison in the ring. You know, in the main event of their big pay-per-view after things have changed and and stuff like that. Uh, I know it's not their biggest pay-per-view of the year, but this is was really their their um, spot to cement yeah. themselves in the business and kind of be like, this is us now. Yep. This is the new TNA. And in my opinion, if you watch that finish, it was a cluster F. It. It's totally weird. It didn't look like the ref or either wrestler was on the same page. And in my opinion, I think uh, Cage didn't kick out on the three like he was supposed to because he looked legitimately pissed off when the ref came down with that three count and Morrison walked away with the title. Totally not what was supposed to happen. And unfortunately for TNA, that's the second big pay-per-view in a row where they've had a total disaster on the main event of the heavyweight title finish. As you remember, we talked about Austin Aries no-selling Morrison's finish. Uh, and just walk, getting up and walking away. After the last pay-per-view. So, man, I love the way TNA is going, and it's totally a bummer to me that they had two bogus heavyweight yeah. title finishes in the last two pay-per-views. But I got to tell you, I like the way they're going, and I'm all for more wrestling in the community, as we talked about before. So... Hopefully things will turn around and they'll start getting those main events to the the heights that they should be. For sure, man. It was a total head scratcher, man. When when you showed that to me, I didn't know. I had to watch it like two or three times just that one spot at the end, and I was like, oh, did the announcers not know? Did the ref not know? All of it, it, to me, it seems like the announcer was calling it on two, like it was over, and then the music started, and they couldn't go back from that. Yeah. So, like you said, cluster ref. It, it's unfortunate, but it it's creating a buzz we're talking about it that's true you know the internet's talking about it so those things happen though, and unfortunately it happened twice in a row yeah <laughs> and uh hopefully the next time they kill a you know main event pay-per-view we're gonna be real you know we're gonna be really excited about it and stuff like that but i like the direction that everything's going so dude i am going to kick it to you so we can get into 
the main part of the word on the street this uh, podcast, and that's going to be the Royal Rumble. The best pay-per-view of the year. Maybe not the best, but the most anticipated because of all the different pieces that come into play. Anything could happen at the Royal Rumble. And I got to tell you, I am super stoked to see what happens, you know, coming up this week. Right off the bat, I'll give you something to work off of. Finn Balor took Braun Strowman's spot in the heavyweight title match. What do you think about that? I think it's awesome because it finally wraps up the story of Finn Balor finally getting his one-on-one chance to get his title back that he never lost. You know, his shoulder beat him. Yep. <laughs> and what? who do you think he's going to win? No. No? You think Brock Lesnar uh, beats him down? Do you think it's competitive like a Daniel Bryan or an AJ Styles match? Or do you think he gets squashed like Braun? I think it's competitive, like like you said, yep. um, Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles. I 100% agree. Um, I would be super surprised if Finn walks away with it. And I really think, depending on the way the card's laid out, that will change who I think is going to win the Royal Rumble. Obviously, okay. having a baby face with the title and having a heel with the title mm-hmm. changes who I think wins the Royal Rumble. So, I mean, I think that's a super cool match. What do you think about, uh, you know... On the other big aspect on the women's side, and obviously we have heavyweight titles on both shows, but that's the most notable, you know, right now. Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Continuing their feud. I don't think that's the title getting challenged for at WrestleMania, so we can kind of jump past that. Becky Lynch, title match against Asuka. Yeah, man. I think this is the one where, you know... uh, Whoever has that title is the person who gets challenged by the Royal Rumble winner. Okay. It's a tough one because, like you said, every match kind of can cause every other match to have a different outcome. Yep. So, and actually, I lied. I don't think that that's the – I think if somebody goes after Rousey, whoever wins the Rumble goes after Rousey. But I, I got a weird swerve, so I'm going to let you answer. All right. Well, Becky Lynch, Asuka, title match. What do you think? I think Asuka wins. Or maybe Asuka doesn't win. Asuka walks away still as the champion. Okay. And – because I also have that same answer, do you think that Becky Lynch jumps into the Rumble and wins and goes after Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania? Because that's where I'm at. Nah, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't think of it like that. I think Becky Lynch loses to Asuka, and <coughs> Asuka, remains, Asuka remains the champ, and Becky Lynch jumps into the Rumble, maybe beats somebody up and takes their spot, okay. and all of a sudden Becky Lynch is – the winner of the Royal Rumble gets to choose which title she goes for, yeah. makes the jump to Raw and, and challenges Ronda Rousey, and we get a Becky Lynch-Ronda Rousey match at WrestleMania with uh, Becky Lynch doing the posing at the end. That's, that's awesome. where I'm that, at. That's an awesome thought, but I have different thoughts on it, and we'll get into it more when the Royal Rumble match comes up. Okay. So, But for this match, I think Oscar's walking away as the champ. I don't know if it's going to be a clean win, a dirty win, a count-out win, whatever it's going to be. Somebody interferes because they don't like Becky. Because, I th- yes, that's a good point. We have seen that in the past also recently mm-hmm. where people have been butting in. And I think people like to see, even though whether they're a heel or a face, when people are chasing for the title, it's a little more interesting. So Be- Becky chasing that title – and then, like you said, because I, I agree, Becky's walking out of WrestleMania with the title. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with that match, brother. Okay. So 
Obviously, we talked about AJ and Daniel Bryan real quick. Who do you think is going to win? Daniel Bryan. Me too. I think uh, AJ's moving on. Uh, He doesn't need the title. He can have great matches with whoever, and and he doesn't need the title to do that. Bryan's doing a good thing. It seems like Vince is on his side again. I didn't like it at first, but he's super over as a heel Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, People don't like him. I don't like him. He's bought into his character. He's doing the right thing, so I agree, Daniel Bryan. And um, the Intercontinental title match, we got a new champ. Uh, We don't know if he's going to defend it. Um, It could be a secret match or something. Sure. Um, But, you know, we have a new champion in... um, Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley, baby. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Uh, Actually, you know, we follow the wrestling community on Twitter. And that day of Raw, they were like, who's going to win the triple threat? And I actually was like, hey... My answer was Bobby because I like change. Yep. I honestly like when the belts get passed around. So sure. you're not seeing the same two people fight for the same title over and over and over and over. I'm absolutely sick of watching Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins go at it. Yep. I don't think that they have great chemistry in the ring. I don't think their matches are super good. So let's move uh, things around and go somewhere else. Yep. So I'm happy to see Bobby Lashley with the title. We got a bunch of other stuff. Um you know, Rusev and Shinsuke for the U.S. title. Yeah, I think Rusev keeps that. I don't think that's right. even an issue. The bar against Miz and Shane McMahon. Yeah, I think the bar walks away from that. Rumor has it WWE is going to keep uh, pushing the tag team division yep, better. Yep. So I think keeping their talent. Happy. It doesn't make any sense to put it on Shane and the Miz, but I think we get a big spot out of that match, whatever it may be. Yeah, and then a potential. Show stealer, which is really tough because the Royal Rumble matches rule. Uh, fatal four way for the cruiserweight title: Buddy Murphy against Akira Tozawa versus Hideo Itami versus Kalisto. Yep, I think uh, Buddy Murphy walks away with it, but oh, I yeah. agree. I think that that could be a show stealer. I think we'll be talking a little bit about that. Match you think it's on the main card good. because cruiserweights were on the main card last month? Uh no. I think it's tough in the Royal it, Rumble. It's already have... it's already announced as a pre-show. Oh bummer. So isn't the Rusev match? Yeah. Okay. I think the Rusev match is fine as the I'm not super excited about that match. Right, I, th- right. I thought I thought people weren't getting rematches anymore, so I don't really right? really know what's going Maybe on. Maybe only on Raw. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Who knows? But let's get into it. Yeah, dude. Um straight up. I'm gonna talk about the men's Royal Rumble first. Let's do it. Alright, dude. Uh men's Royal Rumble. Who I would like to win. And all you Smashers out there listening, hit us up on Twitter and tell us these two things. Tell us who would you like to win. If you could pick anybody and you were Vince McMahon and you were booking, who would you pick to win the Royal Rumble? And you being a fan, now that you know that Vince McMahon is picking who gets to win the Royal (laughs) Rumble, who do you think is going to win Who do you want to win? Who do you think is going to win? Hit us up at WPC Smash. You can find Mike Moran on Instagram. Hell yeah. Also, some smashers out there were already asking us our opinions, and we want to give shout-outs to them because they're telling us their opinions. And uh, we got from Travis. He's saying Dean Ambrose is taking it. If he could book it, the lunatic fringe is taking it. So pretty cool. Yep. All right. He, he, you know, he's no like you said, no longer in the intercontinental picture there. So that's a good one, man. Thanks for reaching out to us and all you other smashers. Hit us up. Let us know. Yeah. You know the rumble's so exciting. It's coming. That's a good so, pick, Travis. And especially uh, a month ago, I would have been all about it, like thinking that you were on the right path. But I really think that uh, Dean Ambrose kind of floundered his chance to be a main event guy. I don't. I, I think that uh, his matches haven't been great and his promos haven't been great. 
I think his new entrance is super cool, but I'm totally uh, I'm totally bumming with uh, Dean Ambrose's performance over the last month. So, and yep. I think that uh, behind the scenes, I'm probably not the only one. So I, I don't think Dean Ambrose is uh, getting that shot this year. But I'm going to give you my prediction, and it's probably a popular prediction, but if I could pick anybody, uh, Drew McIntyre. I think Drew McIntyre is blowing me away. I think he's great on the mic. I think he looks great. He's big. He's strong. He's lean. Um, excellent on the mic. Everything you'd want in a champion. And straight up, if uh, Finn Balor wins the title, that's a hell of a heel, you know, to face Finn at WrestleMania. And that also leaves room for Braun and Brock to get it on at WrestleMania. And Brock to still get his payday and all that stuff. Um, I like uh, Drew McIntyre winning winning the Royal Rumble. Now, who do I think is going to... Yeah, actually, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you give me who you think is going to win the... Or who you'd like to win the Royal Rumble. Sorry, who you'd like. Well, man, we're bros for a reason because Drew McIntyre is my pick too. Really? It really is, man. He got the size. He got the mic work. He got the heel heat. And he's great in the ring. Yep. And he can be on the WrestleMania poster. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. Cool, man. So same, same thing, man. The the Terminator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. Um, I think Drew McIntyre is a great pick, but I think who wins it really has to do with who wins the uh, the Brock Finn match. And I talked a little yep. bit about it earlier. You're gonna want a heel babyface match at WrestleMania. So if Finn wins, which is who I would like, Drew McIntyre, that's who I would like. Mm-hmm. If Brock wins, like I think he's going to, and like you said, you think he's going to, that puts a little bit of a damper on things. And I'm going to be honest, I think uh, this is John Cena's Royal Rumble to win, and uh, John Cena Brock at WrestleMania for John Cena to finally pass um, Ric Flair for the most World Heavyweight title reigns of all time. Perfect opportunity. And then he can drop it even the next night on Raw and like a surprise upset to somebody. You know, Drew McIntyre comes out, yep. Finn Balor comes out and says, I already beat you. I can do it again. And he does it. I think that that would be perfect. I think that Ooh. that whole setup uh, is something that Vince McMahon would look into. And mm-hmm. I think in Vince McMahon's opinion, John Cena, Brock Lesnar, main event, WrestleMania sells tickets. So... I think that that's what they're going to do. Not what I'd like them to do, but that's what they're going to do. Well, I think, and it's probably the most common prediction of the internet community, Seth Rollins. Yeah. I think that's where they're going. That's the other obvious choice. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. That's honestly, if you were to ask me that, that's where I'm going with it. Uh, You know, they clearly got him out of the Intercontinental title picture. I think, you know, we know he can sell tickets. People are really behind him now. He's... Coming into his own as as the face with the burn it down chance and stuff. Yeah, that's where I think it's going. Do you and think he, he could fight either one? That's true. That's true. He could go either way. He's kind of that tweener type uh, wrestler. But do you think that with all the I don't want to say debacles with Dean Ambrose, but the the non stellar matches that the uh, Seth Rollins has been in the last month or two, you think that kind of affected how Vince McMahon is going to look at him? Like, maybe he is the guy, but I'm not ready to go with him right now. Let's do the John Cena-Brock Lesnar thing, like I said. No, because I'm looking into it as, like, what they're doing with Triple H on Raw. Yeah. Like, getting uh, sorry, getting Seth Rollins to wake up 
Yep. And like get that rage. And he's you and know, he's going to need that slapped, against Brock Lesnar. I think he slapped Triple H or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I think ago, I yeah. think that was planting the seeds of getting that aggression because he's going to need it. Cool, man. Well, I like it. Dude. Yeah, dude. And. <laughs> You know, there's so much other fun stuff to do with the Royal Rumble. We've done it in the past um, where we talked about who, you know, surprise entrance. Who do you think, uh, if you could pick one person coming up from NXT, let's do a a male and a female. One male guy comes up in the Royal Rumble and he's now on the main roster. Who is it for you? Velveteen Dream. I would love. Sorry if I'm taking your pick, but. (laughs) I would love for it to be the Velveteen Dream. And, uh, but in my opinion, it's not, uh, he got announced for that tournament where you get to pick the title, like any title and you get to challenge for it. Okay. I think he's going to win. Access? I think he's going to win that. Okay. Um, so I don't think he's going to be in the Royal Rumble. I think that this is going to be the, um, and I know it's kind of already announced, so this is kind of like a shady pick, but I think this is where we see, um, the freak. Lars Sullivan? Yeah. All right. I, well, the reason I was thinking the dream, Velveteen Dream. I would love was, for it to be dream. Yeah, but he's gonna. But he got announced for that tournament. I think he's right. going. That's going to be his initiation into okay. the the big roster because everybody's going to expect him to go for the NXT title, and he's going to be like, "Nope, I want the the Raw Heavyweight Championship." You know, or yeah, okay. I, I want the WWE Universal Championship. Whatever, you know what I mean. I think that that's the 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 route they're going with Velveteen Dream. Right. Well, what I was thinking was because he's been vocal about how he wasn't on the takeover card and you know he's like oh you don't need me what are you doing you're wasting talent and i think me looking at it was like oh that's him just like hushing me the fans up yep so he could potentially be a surprise yeah that's true i think he could be in it and then still win the tournament you know he could be in yeah. it and lose and then be right, in like the plenty have done in years past absolutely man i love that pick so we got lars sullivan over here uh, Mike Moran got uh, Velveteen Dream, Twitterverse, Instagram. Let us know uh, who you got as a surprise entrant in the uh, WWE 2019 Royal Rumble. Women, uh, Lacey Evans doing that spin around moonsault. You see that on the internets lately? No. Well, at the um, the live shows, Lacey Evans is standing with her back to the post on the second rope, jumping up. Doing a 180 and doing a moonsault off the top rope. Okay. Mark Marrow style. Cool. Yeah. Um, super awesome, dude. Yep. We haven't seen people do anything like that in a while. It's a super risky move. Yeah. If she trips. She does it. It looks good. Um, she's already been seen on the show. So I'm going to jump away from that and say, uh, uh, it's tough. Bianca Belair. <laughs> That's who I'm thinking too. Dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think she's got a good thing going. I don't think she wins the title, and I think she jumps into the Royal Rumble because of it. All right. Well, since you picked my pick for the sake of variety, Kyrie Sane. Yeah. People that's dig cool. her entrance, and yep. they'll get behind it. She'll get a pop when she comes out. If she came out first too, and got to do the whole full entrance and stuff yep. like that, or second, mm-hmm. that'd be perfect. That's a good pick. Yeah. Didn't even think about that because the entrance is a big thing for those first two picks. They're going to be people with big entrances. Yeah, for sure. So uh, that that's a great pick. Again, let us know what you guys think. We're happy to hear uh, you know everybody's opinion because we know everybody goes in different directions, and that's what's fun about the Royal Rumble, man. We know who's going to be number thirty for each of the uh, Royal Rumble matches, but that's all we know. Yep. And um, I have a strong opinion about our truth being number thirty. I think somebody beats him down and takes that spot. Oh, yeah. What do you think? No, 
I think he's just going to come out and do his what's up. Really? Do something silly like dance he normally break. does. Dance break. Put up a ladder and look, you know. Uh, that's just me, man. That's just me. I think know? it's a bummer that uh, that was spoiled. And I know on Twitter, uh, WWE last week, I really refrained from looking at any of their oh, posts. Yeah. Was kind of spoiling who was going to be in the Rumble because I think the mystery is a huge part of the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. I like maybe on the pre-show or on Sunday Night Heat they used to do it um, where they have a match for the number yeah. 30. But it's like right before the Rumble. Like you're about to see it. You know yeah, what I mean? We it's didn't know, part of it almost. We didn't know months ahead of time and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. we've literally known Carmelo was going to be number 30 for what? A month? Yeah. A month and a half? Like it could even be a little longer than that. Like it's been yep. a while. So I don't like them spoiling even who's going to be in it. I know they didn't say – you know, so-and-so is going to be in the match, and they're going to be number 17. Right. They just said... Which is my favorite number. Yeah. <laughs> they just <laughs> said, you know, these people are going to be in the match. But I don't like that. I like the surprise. I, that's what I love about the Royal Rumble. I love the surprise. I love the anticipation of who's going to be next, who's in it, who's a surprise, who's not a surprise. Every Everything about it is uh, some of my favorite wrestling moments of all time have come during the royal rumble just because of surprise oh yeah so i'm super excited about the royal rumble you got any surprises that aren't from nxt like outside of the company surprises straight up um off the top of my head no because i think that wwe is gonna do things in the royal rumble how they've done it the last couple years and that's kind of work with what they've got all right um how about even like people on legends contracts like x-pac no, no, I don't think All so. Right. I think they're going right. to stay away from that. But I think we'll probably see like um, Zack Ryder, you know, who doesn't really oh. get a lot of showtime. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I think I we'll hope see, so. I think we'll see those type of guys. Um, yeah, because they're going with this push. Like I'm, I'm yeah, happy to Kurt see a, Apollo too. Getting, yeah, getting a lot of screen time. He, he's doing great. I think we're going to see those type of guys. All right. I, what I just <laughs> thought of this right now. What do you think about? Um, Titus O'Neil doing a run-in on the Rumble and falling on purpose, like a botch type thing, and he hangs out under the ring for a while. I hope they don't. You think they won't mess with that a little bit? They'll just let yeah, that be. Yeah, they might. They might. Yeah. Or and he like, hangs under the ring until like the last 10 guys and then comes out. That and, would be funny. Or he comes out with like a walker or like a cane. He goes real slow yeah, and like yeah, watches like his feet and stuff super, like that. Yeah. I think they like do something funny like ring. that. Yeah. Um, That's cool. I don't hate those moments. I, I got one for you. Now that now that we're chit-chatting about it and I had time to think, uh, Big Show. Yeah. Not a, not a legend or anybody who or anything like that, but he's not on TV. Yep. I think the Big Show cool. comes out during the Royal Rumble. All right. Who do you got, man? Ugh. It's tough. It's, yeah, it is. Because there's a lot of good talent, and they haven't done that recently. You're not going to see Jake the Snake run out, in yeah. my opinion. You know there's I mean? too much too good to be true. So let's just put those out there. We know we don't know what's going on with Kenny Omega. We heard about Abyss and Sonjay Dutt, you know, not signing impact contracts. So it would be awesome to see those. But, you know, I'll say Devon Dudley. That's a good one. Yeah. One thing we do know, like, about the Kenny Omega thing, and I know that that's a big wish list of everybody on the in the internet community, is uh, Kenny Omega's contract doesn't end until February 1st for New Japan. Oh, so he so can't there's, do nothing. Unless Vince McMahon paid for that, you know, last week. Which he could have. Potentially, but they're not. WWE is not known for having the big New Japan deals. If if we were talking about ROH, I would say absolutely. You know what I mean? But I don't think so. Right. I don't think uh, Kenny Omega can 
make that appearance. I, I don't think New Japan's happy with the way he left. Do I think that it's impossible that he's going to be in the WWE? Absolutely not. You know what I mean? Nobody knows that right now except for Kenny Omega. But I don't think he's in the Royal Rumble just because his contract's not up till February 1st. So, All right. So, so still on the men's side here, let's just do a real quick rapid fire. What number entrant is going to win? 27. All right, and I'm going 17. Yeah, 27 is my always, lucky number, dude. It's always, yeah. 27 is my lucky number, I'm, and, and it's a popular number, so I like that number uh, oh, yeah. in the Royal Rumble. So A lot of people have won I, with that. I think it's the most one number, right, 27? And yep. I think 27 might even be tied with number one. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, yep. uh, All right, so yep, 27. So women's side. Um, Here we su- go. Surprises, lay cool, both of them probably. That's, All right. That's what I got for women. All right, you want to? You could keep going with women because yeah. there's not there's a lot more spots. Trish Stratus, Lita. Um but for me, if That's I get Phoenix, to pick one right so. off the bat, I'm Lay Cool. Lay I think cool. Michelle That's Ma- a good one. I think Michelle McCool and Layla both get in that match. Because neither one of them need to win. Neither one of them want to win. You don't expect either one of them to win, but they mm-hmm. do a cool you know, they get the entrance and um especially Michelle McCool having the tie to wrestling still. Uh, yes. I think Lay Cool is uh my my surprise pick. Fine. I will throw out there Ashley Mazzaro. Oh, that's where I'll go. Oh, for <laughs> sure. I would be very excited. So that those are the surprises, but let's get into the winners, man. Yeah. So who do you think? And then, I mean, sorry, who do you want if you're booking? And then who do you think will realistically win? Okay, so it's a little bit of the same for me. I think, um, like I talked about, uh, oh, yeah, you had the awesome. Yeah. Booking swerve there. I think Becky Lynch loses the match, enters the Royal Rumble, and wins and challenges Ronda Rousey. And I think that that's what's going to happen. I That's what I want to happen, and that's what I think is going to happen. I think somehow Becky Lynch wins the Royal Rumble. I think if Charlotte Flair, who would kind of be the other obvious choice in the Royal Rumble, wins, that you'll, she'll get the Roman Reigns treatment. And I don't think that that's what WWE is looking for. Uh, so, yeah, I think my pick, who I think... Royal, um, Becky Lynch and who I want, Becky Lynch, are the same person. I think that Becky Lynch is uh, who wins, and that's who I want to win. All right. And that's weird, too, for the Royal Rumble. Yeah. But the, shall see, the scenario bro. that I mapped out in my head, I'm convinced that that's what's happening. Cool. <laughs> you can't talk about it. And it's a good one. Yeah. Let's send you the, the book, brother. Yeah. So for me... I, I got a book right here. <laughs> <laughs> well, send it to Vince. Yeah. Tweet it to him. Yeah. So, I want Bailey to win. And I think, even though you got in my head with the Roman Reigns treatment, I think Charlotte's going to win. Yeah. And then... That's an obvious good pick. Like, that's who Vince McMahon would yeah. be sitting in back. Like, who could carry this company and carry this title? Right. And beyond the posters, like that's what I main like event to, to WrestleMania because right. they're going to do a co-main event this year at WrestleMania yep. for sure. Whether the girls go on last or the guys go on last, mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping girls do just to be there for something that's first historical. Ever. Yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm happy with that. But long- so to get into what I was saying earlier, I think somehow, some way, Becky weasels her way into whatever match R- Ronda's in. Yeah, and if it's a triple threat, it's a triple threat. Cool. Makes like sense. That, that's what that's where I'm going with it. All I know is, you know, to wrap it up, I'm stoked for the Royal Rumble. And all you smashes out there should be stoked for the Royal Rumble too. So communicate with us. We're gonna be watching it live. You know, you can send us tweets 
and we will definitely get back to you as the show is going on faux show and speaking of communicating with us in the middle of us recording i'm just checking twitter and stuff here we just got a tweet from jeremy he thinks ember moon is gonna win on the women's side that's a great pick that's a good pick too that girl can work that girl can work so awesome at wpc smash on instagram hit us up royal rumble baby yeah All right, Smash-a-Maniacs, now it's time for Off the Top. You know the drill. I'm going to ask Ian a question, and without hesitation, he has to answer the question right off the top of his head. So here we go. Seeing as it's a Royal Rumble-esque episode, I'm going to ask you, what is your favorite Royal Rumble match and why? Uh, Favorite of all time? Yeah, what year? I don't know the year, but when Vince McMahon went from one to win. That would be... 99. Is it 99? Yes, it is. Yeah, Vince McMahon and Stone Cold are one and two. Mm-hmm. They do the whole schmoz building up to it about how uh, Vince McMahon is going to uh, win the Royal Rumble. And he does the big workout montage beforehand yep. and stuff like that. Looking super jacked at that time. And he's already like 50. You know Your arms I mean? are very oily, Vince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've been working out? Um, I think that... That holds a special place in my heart because I remember watching it live, um, and I remember everything about it. I remember being really into wrestling at the time. I'm in eighth grade, uh, going over to the Baker's house and watching the Royal Rumble with a couple friends and, you know, top to bottom, just being super excited and knowing Stone Cold was going to win in my head, and then it didn't happen. Vince McMahon won, and... Yeah, dude, that's it for me, dude. So it was 99, Vince McMahon won to win. That's my most significant WrestleMania of all time. Sweet. How about you? Oh, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble. How about you, brother? What was your uh, favorite Royal Rumble of all time and why? All right, so a lot of my answers or my uh, the way I'm going to answer this is almost the same as yours, except the year is going to change a little different. And I know there's one uh, listener out there who's already going to guess what it is, and that would be... John Fafford guessing that it's Royal Rumble 98. Because I, A, watched it at his house. Okay. And I just remember it as that this was the one that Mick Foley came out three different times Ah, in all three of his characters. Yep. And I believe. Three faces of Foley. That was the first time, like, it was monikered that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I believe he was number one as Cactus Jack with Chainsaw Charlie as number two, and they were just beating the crap out of each other with weapons. Great start. It was a it was a crazy crazy rumble. The build to that one also was Austin, um, and I just re- also remember the packages leading up to that. Austin was beating the crap out of everyone on Raw in the locker rooms in the ring. I remember him saying, when you look down at your pager and you see the 316, that means your ass belongs to Stone Cold. <laughs> so, you know, everyone, they're doing the rumble. I remember Goldust being in there, and he was, like, dressed up as some kind of silver Christmas tree. But it had all the great Attitude Era stars in there. Austin's music hits. Everyone stops and looks at the ramp. And here comes Austin through the crowd over the announce table and just starts throwing ham hocks at everyone. Awesome, awesome, and I believe he throws out the rock 
for the finale to win it, to go on to WrestleMania to start the Austin era. In that Rumble, like I said, uh, watched it with my good friend John. I remember his mom in the other room also watching it, and her reactions were just as loud as our reactions. Yeah. So that Rumble and that pay-per-view was awesome too. Not only the match, that main event with the casket match with Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, that's a great match too with an awesome burning up ending. Yep. But Royal Rumble 98, my favorite Royal Rumble. Yeah, man. Shout out to the Bakers. Shout out to the good brother, John Fafford. And uh, I hope to build some of those moments uh, with Royal Rumbles in the future, man. Hell of an off the top. Show the movie! And now, our feature presentation. All right, all right. We had an underdog movie for you. One that really has a special player in my heart. Grew up in the 80s. Loved 80s action movies. 80s karate. 80s action. And most notably, 80s Arnold Schwarzenegger. And our underdog movie is going to be The Running Man. The 1987 classic starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, the beginning of Arnold's career was great. He gave us Terminator, got all his um, key lines in there, you know, stuff that you expect. I'll be back and all that stuff. You could probably do it a lot better than me. But um, we get all that stuff inside Running Man. And. Yeah. Running Man is a movie that a lot of movies of the future took concepts from, you know? So it's kind of a build a movie, you know? Everybody took the concept from Running Man and made other movies down the road. But most yep. people don't really know the Running Man or love the Running Man the way maybe we do. And hopefully we can turn you on to it. So it was uh, released in the United States November 13th, 1987. Um, it was it had a budget of twenty seven million bucks and only made thirty eight. So that is a flop as far as you know movie sales go in a box office. But it's definitely become a cult classic. And an Arnold Schwarzenegger fan, this is probably one of their top five Arnold movies of all time. And of a guy who's been in so many great movies, being a top five movie is a big deal. So I love Running Man because. You got Arnold, you get all the great action, you get the one-liners, um, and I'll let you get into the details of the movie, but I gotta tell you that this is the ultimate underdog movie for me, the ultimate maybe Arnold underdog movie, and he could have many because he was such in so many movies that were so great and uh, definitely become a cult classic for sure. So uh, let the Smashers know, you know, a little more about why they should watch uh, The Running Man starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right. So like you said, I'm, and with me, if anyone knows me, I do also love Arnold. And I love the one-liners. I love quoting Arnold. I will drive you nuts if you ever watch True Lies with me because I am Arnold's echo <laughs> in that movie because I just – Love trying to impersonate Arnold. Probably a future underdog movie, True Lies. Uh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. But <clears throat> so this movie, we get into it. 
I made a note. I think it's funny that it's booked in 2017. Yeah. That's where the movie takes place. Absolutely. It's uh, futuristic, to say the least. The world's collapsed. Uh, you know, media's taken over. Yep. So we got Ben uh, Ben Richards. He's, I believe, he's a police officer. He's in some sort of the corps, if Yeah, you will. He's, he's in the military. Yeah. Yep. And so what they are being told to do is bomb these innocent people. In in Arnold, I'm going to call him Arnold. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, ben Richards. Yeah. I choose Ben Richards. You have to pick a runner. No, he's one <laughs> mean mother. <laughs> That's right. So uh, he's like, no, no, I'm not going to kill these innocent people. He gets beat up. They still like manipulate the film to make it look like he's the what do they call him? The butcher. Yeah. Um, and, and that he kills all these people. So he's a prisoner. The, the butcher of Bakersfield. Yep. So he's a prisoner to start the movie off. He has a pretty bitchin' gnarly beard. Um, and he's just doing his work as a prisoner. But it, it seems like him and his buddies have some sort of plan to escape. And the movie starts off. You know, they, they long story short, they do escape. And when he goes to his house, there's a, a woman in his house. But then... He's like, all right, we got to get out of here. She figures out that he's a fugitive running from the law. Yep. She turns him in. And now here we go. We have the, like you said, the media is running things. ICS. Yep. So ICS, the number one show, which the media is life. If you're not a prisoner, you know, media is life. ICS, the number one show is The Running Man. Yep. So they're seeing all this Butchers of Bakersfield on, on the news and everything. So Richard Dawson, the host of running man wants ben richards on his show yep basically what the show entails is you know they have a runner which is some sort of felon or convict and they run from basically these super badass um guys who like gladiator think of american gladiators but on and they say on steroids but and they try to kill you (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. with way more weapons and (laughs) yep so they drop the runners in this 400 uh, block area of Los Angeles, and they're basically running with nothing from the stalkers, and they have to last three hours. Now, these stalkers, like you said, are gladiator-type people. The first stalker that tries to chase down Ben Richards and a couple of his buddies is um, <laughs> the bad dude from Three Ninjas, the the heavy <laughs> from Three Ninjas. I don't know his real name, but he's like an a goalie with a a hockey, goalie hockey stick that's a blade, and uh, he's super badass. And um, yeah, Ben Ben Richards takes him down along with the next series of stalkers, which are all super cool and have their own superpowers. Flamethrower. One, one has right. a flamethrower. One controls electricity. One's a super, you know, big jacked up like uh, lumberjack guy with a chainsaw that rides a motorcycle. And in the end, uh, Arnold takes them all down and finally makes his way back to the studio where he you know, has the proof that he never was the Baker Bakersfield butcher. He actually tried to not kill those people and takes down the the big villain of the movie, which is actually the game show host. Killian. And, yeah, Killian. Yep. And that's the the basics of the story, but there's lots of great one liners and punchlines. There are definitely lots of great one one liners and everything. But let's uh bring up a 
a little point here. <clears throat> they, in ICS, the media, they make it look like Arnold's dead. You know, they, they, they use computer 2017, you know, com- computer graphics and stuff to make it look like Arnold was defeated. Yep. But he really wasn't. He, he was just kind of, he was a prisoner again. They kind of was just like, whatever, let the, t- let the people think he's dead and we're the heroes. But like you said, nope, that ain't, the, that ain't what's going down. And let's talk about who that last uh, stalker is. It's Captain Freedom, also known in the wrestling world as Jesse the Body Ventura. Yeah. Who is Captain Freedom. And, yeah, he basically beats up some guy and kills him. And they... Use computer manipulation to change the face of the guy to Arnold Schwarzenegger so everybody thinks the show's over. The stalkers won. Hurrah, hurrah, which is what they're looking for. And he didn't want to do it. Captain Freedom was like, I don't want no more tricks. Yep. I could take him for real. I'm over this. Killian. (laughs) So with that being said, like you said, they show the proof and they show that Arnold or Ben is really alive, and there's one of the great quotes of the movie because the female that I spoke about earlier, she was one of the prisoners with Arnold in the Running Man game. She actually had the the right tape to prove to the world, and Arnold says, where did you hide that? And she (laughs) winks at him and says, none of your business. Yeah, (laughs) because they're wearing skin-tight leotards, and they got stripped down and all that stuff. Yep. Great. I love the score of the movie, the the music, the score, if you will. Retro synth. Now that was the normal back in eighty seven, but I legit listen to retro synth artists now. Yeah. And so like just watching, I'm like, yeah, dude, this is my style. Like I just love the futuristic. Like Terminator had the same music too. It's cool to hear <clears throat> scores in movies instead of just like straight up music that you hear on the radio. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, oh, cool, Led Zeppelin song. Like that song's cool and all, but I could just listen to Led Zeppelin greatest hits. Yep. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, and I love ICS when they're whenever they're in like the the studio back room and Killian's talking all this smack because he's the big boss of the movie, you know, and everyone's kissing his butt. There's posters on the wall for other shows. Uh, they have hate boat instead of love <laughs> boat, and then they show random commercials and they show like. Um, I call them Nitro Girls, but, like, the ICS Running Man Girls a lot. Like, let's go to commercial. Oh, there's a bunch of chicks just dancing. Um, But one of the commercials is climbing for dollars. (laughs) And it's like climbing the rope in gym class or you're going to die. Like, (laughs) there you go. Um, Let's get into some of the quotes. Now, we all, for me, we all know a lot of the common quotes and if you want, I'll go through a couple of them. Do you want me to try my own voice or, or no? Yeah, man, lay, okay. lay him out, man. <laughs> All right. So Sub-Zero was the hockey guy's name. Yep. So after he's dead, Arnold's standing there. He says, uh, there's Sub-Zero. Now plain zero. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's such garbage. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, right in the beginning when they're trying to escape um, and they set the plan that one of his buddies got beat up to make a diversion, he was like um, – I wasn't acting. You know, you really punched me in the face, Ben. And he, well, you're still alive, aren't you? <laughs> like, I just love the little, like, because Arnold is a good actor. And in my heart, like, he's really trying. But his voice just makes it so goofy. But, For like, sure. he, he's he's really trying. Um, at one point in the movie, he, when, when I say he's trying to escape, they're trying to go to Hawaii. And they're in Hawaiian shirts. So later in the movie, after all that stuff's going down and 
So the the female finally says, we should have went to Hawaii. And Arnold's like, well, I had the shirt for it, but you fucked it up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, there's another one. Um, Killian wants wants Ben to sign a contract. And he Arnold just looks up. Hey, Killian, I hope you leave enough room in your stomach for my fist. Because I'm going to put my fist to it and break your goddamn spine. (laughs) So many... I love it. I love it. I love it. So many great in visuals, so many great visuals, so many great quotes. The Running Man, I'm so glad you picked it because I haven't watched it in a while. I actually own it on VHS because I'm that OG with it, but I watched it on Hulu so I could actually hear what was going on. (laughs) Dude, Running Man, classic movie, perfect pick for, uh, you know, a... um, Underdog movie of the week, dude. Absolutely, man. And uh, I'm glad that we get to pick these movies and talk about them and watch them again. And we don't always get to see that kind of stuff. And like like you said, like it's a movie that you love, but you haven't watched in a long time. And that's what Underdog Movies for. So if there's something out there you're looking for, Smashers, you know where to find us. You know where to hit us up. And we will go over your Underdog movie and, uh, you know, get that stuff out there for everybody to see. Here is Sub-Zero. Now, Plane Zero. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. All right, all right, Smashers. Here we are at the main event, the meat and potatoes of WPC Smash. And in fact, we are on February 5th, 1988 at the main event and you just brought up a cool point to me that the name of this show was the main event Mm -hmm. because it was on a friday it wasn't saturday night's main event as wwf fans would have normally been used to it was on a different channel trying to spread the audience and uh abc a mainstream channel is that what it was NBC. NBC, yeah. Yep. So NBC. this is a main broadcast. It's not on, you know, USA or TNT or TBS. This yep. is a main channel. Primetime, right, basic cable channel, yep. Friday night, dude. So this is a big deal. We have Andre versus Hogan. Hogan walks in as the champion, and this is for the WWF championship at the time. This is the most watched wrestling show in television history, and I believe it's still like that to the day. Yep. You have uh, bigger segments uh, with the, you know, Lita Edge, you know. uh, Yeah, right. Scene, but this is the most watched show. Period. In WWE history on main TV. We're at the Market Square Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. The crowd's going nuts to start off the show. Vince McMahon, Jesse Ventura, they are, uh, you know, the uh, first people that we see in the show. And they really lay out what we're going to see here tonight. We get the Hogan workout montage. It's awesome. Did you watch it? Like the whole the whole show? Not 
for the for this, but okay. yes. So the Hogan workout montage is to Jake the Snake's music. I knew that. Okay, yeah. so that was wild, dude. I never noticed that before, yep. but that's Jake the Snake's music playing in the back of Hulk Hogan's workout, workout montage. Yeah. So I thought that was wild and something that you know the Smashers out there would would like to know a little trivia question. Yeah, dude. Because as you know, here at WPC Smash, I've said it before. I'm a montage guy. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> dude. We're montage guys around here, and I should have used that as the. Uh, um, the brain buster, you know, what was the uh, montage oh. music to Hulk Hogan's workout mm-hmm. at the beginning? That would have been a good one now that I'm thinking about it. Wah, wah. This is a killer show, top to bottom. We get only three matches, but they are three killer matches. So if you are going to go watch the main event with WPC Smash, I recommend you watch the whole show just because of the rest of the card is so stacked. Three matches. Honky Tonk Man versus Macho Man for the Intercontinental title. The Hart Foundation versus Strike Force for the Tag Team Championships. And of course, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant for the WWF title. Huge card. And here's a little tidbit for you on the actual broadcast. The Hart Foundation match was cut short due to time. Super short. Like, you only see them come to, like, get in the ring, basically. Yep. But, uh, but on the network, you get the full full experience, brother. Which, which is awesome. So I like that. Um, you get an awesome package of how Hulk Hogan and Andre got to where they are, how they got to this point, and where you know where the feud came from. Andre has the million dollar man and Virgil in his corner. Ted DBR Ted DiBiase's mic work is top of his game at this point. Oh yeah, and probably you know besides Hogan, top of the industry. Maybe one of the the best heels in the business at this time, the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Andre the Giant comes out first. Uh, Mixed reactions. Before we get into that, I want to just chime in on what you were saying because not only is he great on the mic at that point, some of the things he says, I don't think he's ever said again, but they were classic lines when he was like, Hulk Hogan, your account is overdrawn and Andre's going to close it. Yeah. A lot of like money puns, you know? Oh, yeah. Full of money puns. Hulkamana yeah. brats. I think he was calling them, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Classic. And yeah, most definitely. And when I see, like, when you say Macho Man to me, this is the Macho Man I see in this silver suit with Ted the money DiBiase. sign. Yeah. Yep. I'm sorry about that. Yep. Ted DiBiase, Million Dollar Man, and the little factoid back in the day. I bought a replica, like a Jack-specific million-dollar belt. It was like foam straps, but the million-dollar part was like, you know, fake plastic. But sure. it came with this figure of oh, this Macho Man. That's cool. So that that's, like you said, when you said it, top of his game, definitely for sure. And like you said, so they, they started to come out to the ring at this time. Yep, Andre the Giant comes out first. He gets mixed reactions uh, that quickly turn to booze. But at first, when he first comes out, he gets some cheers. This is Andre the Giant coming out. Yeah, you got to respect him. Yep, the the biggest big man that's ever been in wrestling and uh, a showstopper. Somebody that when you go to a wrestling event, if you see Andre the Giant, you're privileged. You're excited and you're happy that Andre the Giant's there. But the crowd quickly realizes, oh, yeah, they're going to face Hulk Hogan. So, boo, we don't like you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I thought that that was super cool. Andre comes out to no music. Definitely, like, heelish, edgy at the time. Not everybody had music, but for the main event of this show, for Andre to have no music at all, I thought that that really laid the tempo of this is the bad guy, this is not who we're cheering for. 
Um, the crowd is about to get a basically a pay per view match at a TV taping. Yep. You know, there. This is a WrestleMania worthy rematch, and they're about to get it on Friday night in front of a live crowd. So I thought that that was super cool. WWE doesn't always give things away. This isn't WCW that we're talking about here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was great the way everything went down. Hulk Hogan cuts a standard Hogan promo backstage before his entrance. But what I like about that promo, too, is when he finishes it and he does his patented, like, uh, bicep pose, he, like, backpedals out, out of frame. You notice that? He's like, <laughs> doo, doo. <laughs> no, like And Mean Gene just looks at him and is like, all right, go to the ring. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hogan's music hits and his entrance blows the roof off the arena, just like any other time Hogan uh, makes an entrance. But this time it felt so much more special to me. Um, the referee, Dave Hebner, shows everyone the championship belt, and Hogan looks amped. And this is the first time that you see this classic Eagle Wing belt. Yep. Debuted, and which is the beauty, which is probably the best belt. I know you have it. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. My favorite belt of all time. A lot of people's, mine included. Yep. And when people think of the world title, they probably know this belt. Absolutely, man. Um, so Hogan's standing there. He's got his brand new title. Dave Hebner's showing the crowd. The bell rings, and uh, Andre takes his time getting into the ring. These are two big men, and neither one, you know, Andre's way past his prime. Um, not noticeably because he's still such a you know a spectacle to look at. Yep. But uh, he his wrestling days are far behind him. And Hulk was never the greatest wrestler, but man, that guy has attributes that not everybody has. Yeah, like twenty four inch pythons, bro. Yeah, and selling. You know, the oh, guy can yeah. sell like nobody's ever talked. That, that's in my notes too, dude. Yeah, not Shawn Michaels selling, but Hulk Hogan made his living selling to Andre the Giant, and he became Hulkamania because of the way he sold to big men. Earthquake, yeah. Andre the Giant, King Kong Bundy. Warrior. Absolutely, man. Because so, he, in my opinion, with that selling too, it's like he has the crowd so invested in him, eating the vitamins, saying your prayers, that when he looks out to the crowd for like – some cheers and he like just all he has to do is put an open hand out and squeeze a fist yeah with his eyes when he's he about sells. to and his hair like i know he barely has it but the way he shakes his head yep. and when he's about uh, to hulk up and make that comeback i mean you can't you can't keep a roof on a building because there's so much air getting blown out yeah. of the place that you know it's impossible and when he gets hit he's making it look like obviously it's andre the giant he's throwing you know a tree trunk on your back but Absolutely. Hogan is making it definitely seem that way. Yeah, dude. So Andre stands in the corner and Hulk makes his first move, um, which is rare for the Hulk, you know, to kind of make a the first move in the match. Yep. Um, he's given big boots to uh, both Virgil and Ted DiBiase because his first move is not straight for Andre. It's to his two minions outside the ring that he knows he has to take down first yep. before he can... Finally go after Andre for the win because those two gentlemen on the outside of the ring, Virgil and Ted DiBiase, are going to play a factor, at least in Hogan's mind. Hogan takes it to Andre quickly with furious clotheslines, right hands. They're big, they're stiff, they look good. Um, Hogan's trying unsuccessfully to take Andre off his feet with these right hands and clotheslines. Um... The crowd's electric and reacting to every blow from Hogan. Every right hand gets a cheer. Yep. Every clothesline gets a cheer. 
Um, the announcers are selling it too. Like they're they're like he can't get the big man down, and Hogan is trying with all his might. I really felt like this is when wrestling was real. Um, everybody in 1988 knew wrestling was entertainment because we've already you know head, headed down that route. But um, I felt like the crowd you know played it off and acted like it was real. To to the this crowd in Indianapolis, wrestling's real, mm-hmm. and every. Right hand that Hulk Hogan gave, uh, they cheered and uh, they played along. That crowd makes a big Absolutely. difference in a wrestling match, especially when you're watching it after the fact. Andre sells but doesn't go down. Hogan rams Andre's head into the turnbuckle and continues with uh, big right hands and chops. Big, yeah. stiff, loud chops. They sound great. Um, DiBiase finally gets himself back up and climbs onto the apron and uh, Hogan puts him down again. And uh, then Hogan stomps on the hand of DiBiase that was uh, holding a lot of cash, and the cash goes yeah. flying up into the air. I thought that was cool. Yep. It's always kind of been like a thing where, like, uh, when the Million Dollar Man was uh, a character, he would have real cash on him. Yeah. Um, he would, every once in a while, tip the cab driver, the, you know, the limo driver or the doorman at a hotel $100 to play it off. Yeah, know? I was actually going to say that, too. That's in my notes. Um, if he was out, like, at a restaurant, even if he was just with, you know, Mike Jones, Virgil, and they were just having regular dinner and, like, someone came up and called him out for being like, yo, you're really the million-dollar man. Why don't you buy me two drinks? He would just be like, there you go. And he'd have to, like, go back to Vince and be like, hey, I, you know, here's my bill. I bought a whole table their whole meal because I'm the million dollar man. And Vince was like, all right, keeping the character alive. Yep. Absolutely. Dude. I that's, love that's cool. That. So I thought that that was a cool spot. Cause it really like showed that kayfabe was still alive at this point to me. Um, Hogan uncharacteristically at this point rakes the face of Andre and gets uh, called out for it too. Yeah. And it showed to me the desperation of Hogan in this match. Excellent storytelling. Hogan, 24-inch pythons, all the Hulkamaniacs in the world on his back, and he still knows that he's going to have to do everything it takes to be Andre the Giant, Mm -hmm. the eighth wonder of the world. And he will resort to whatever it takes to hold on to his WWF championship belt, including a rake of the eyes. Dirty tactics. Absolutely, dude. Perfect, uh, you know, description of it. Andre at this point is uh, dazed and uh, he still has not been taken off his feet. So Andre makes a brief comeback with a slam to Hogan uh, from the top turnbuckle. Hogan's climbing up and Hogan, you know, Andre slams him off the top. And uh, Andre tries to hit Hogan with a headbutt while he's on the ground. Hogan rolls out of the way. Andre essentially takes himself off of his own feet for the first time in the match. So Hogan didn't take him down, but he is down on the ground yep. at this point in the match. And Jesse Ventura notices and uh, lets everyone watching at home know that Andre's been taken off his feet. By himself, know? McMahon. Yep. Hogan didn't do this. Andre did it to himself. Uh, Hogan is reaching down for Andre on the ground, and Andre reaches up and chokes him. And uh, climbs back up, and Han- Andre chokes him for four counts. Yep. Several I actually times. love this part. I love how he's choking him with the strap of his singlet. Yeah. I thought that was super like creative. I've never seen it before. Yep. Um, the, Andre uh, steps on Hogan's fingers. 
takes over the match with a body slam, stiff shots from Andre to Hogan, and these are plate-sized hands slapping you across the chest, so they sound great, it looks great. And here's where that selling comes in, too. Yeah, the crowd screaming Hogan, uh, trying to get Hogan back into the match, and this is where, just like you just said, Andre uses the strap from his ring gear to choke Hogan. You could never do that these days, no. and I loved seeing it in this match. Super cool, creative. I don't think I've ever seen it before or since using the singlet to uh, to choke your opponent. Loved it. Um, Andre goes back to using two-handed chokes and uh, to try to beat Hogan, try to get him to pass out the old uh, Andre the Giant sleeper hold, you yep. might say, just straight up two-handed choking him. And at this point, Hulk Hogan starts to Hulk up, Hulk up and take over the match. Hulk lands a flying clothesline from the second turnbuckle, and with Andre on the ground after the clothesline, Hogan tries for the leg drop, and as we all know, that's his finishing yep, maneuver. Yep. Virgil uh, grabs Hogan's leg as, as he's coming off the rope and distracts Hogan. Hogan turns around, takes a swing at him, and uh, Virgil does his job being, yep. you know... The, the uh, dominion on the outside of the ring, the distraction, absolutely. The ref gets distracted, trying to yell at Virgil and stuff like that, and Hogan tries again and lands the leg drop. So Hogan lands his finisher, dives on top of uh, Andre the Giant, and he makes the cover for at least a five count. Yep. And at this point, the ref's still distracted. Hogan realizes nobody's counting, and he gets up to get Hebner's attention like hey you know reaches at the ref yep. you know yells at Pay him. attention yep right. exactly um hogan's back's turned andre gets up and nails hogan with a headbutt from behind um a big move that andre used throughout his career was you know the two-handed grab him give him the headbutt from behind he yep. nails it andre then slams hogan and makes the cover hebner counts a, a normal speed one two three but the camera angle clearly shows us while this is going on that uh hogan's rolled his shoulder up on one basically you yep. know you could call it two but yeah after one hogan has his shoulder up for everybody at home to see half of the crowd to see hogan got the shoulder up right in front of hebner something shady's going on in this match yep Hebner looks right at the shoulder and counts two, three. He calls for the bell. He announces Andre as the winner. The crowd is so upset that they straight up boo for a solid minute. Yep. You're watching live and it is Boo City. Um, great crowd response. So they they realized what happened right there that Hogan got screwed. Yep. Uh, and Hogan's he selling that too. Yep. Hebner gives Andre the title, and he's officially announced as the new WWF World Heavyweight Champion. Yep. Andre immediately then surrenders the belt to the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, and uh, Ted DiBiase puts on the belt. Yep. And he's wearing it around his waist, standing in the middle of the ring. He's, he's buying it. He bought it off of Andre. Absolutely. We all know that the Million Dollar Man paid money, and it, the announcers let us know if you didn't, yep. that the Million Dollar Man paid Andre for the World Heavyweight title. Great, great spot. Yep, everybody's got a price. Yep, and that's the whole Million Dollar Man gimmick, and it is a beautiful swerve at the end of the match. 
But we go even further from there. Hogan's visibly upset by the whole thing. It looks like he's about to cry. He's telling the ref that he rolled his shoulder, that he didn't count to three. Um, He's chasing everyone out of the ring. So Virgil, DiBiase, and Andre all powder out. And we're left with Hogan and the referee, Hebner, standing in the ring. Um, Andre, DiBiase, and Virgil head down the ramp. And uh, Hogan's on the turnbuckle yelling at them. And behind Hogan, while he's standing in the corner, we now see two referees. Yep. And not just two referees, but two Dave Hebners. They look exactly the same. Identical, baby. They are identical. Um, is the greatest swerve in wrestling history. Hogan is so confused. He's staring at the referees. He's holding his hands up in the air, throwing them up in the air. What's going on? Um, And one of the Hebners attacks the other. Hogan makes a decision and uh, basically staring at the two referees and grabbing a hold of them both. Decide which one, you know, is the evil one. Is the evil referee. (laughs) Yeah, the heel referee. And uh, he presses him up over his head and throws him out of the ring over the top rope. (laughs) Yep. Um, We basically cut backstage and uh, Hogan's in the back. He's super upset and he's screaming about the million dollar man paying off the referee, paying for plastic surgery for a referee to look like Dave Hebner. And... uh, how much money did he pay yeah. for the plastic surgery? How much was the plastic surgery? And he's screaming almost to tears, like you said. This is one of the wildest finishes in wrestling history, if not the wildest finish. Um, Perfect. It's an epic moment in wrestling history and possibly the greatest finish yeah. in wrestling history. I mean, I'm totally baffled watching this every single time on how they pulled this off and how nobody knew that there was two, you know, Hebners at this point. And we find out later on that there's identical twins. But the the fact that they're blaming it on, you know, the million dollar man paying for surgery to yeah. make another ref look like, you know, exactly like the ref that everybody in WWF knows. Yeah. Absolutely. And paid him off. Yeah. Right. Wild, dude. I love this match. Perfect main event. And I can't uh, say much more about it than how great it was. Yeah. One thing I did want to ask you, though, in hindsight, now we know it's over. And now watching it over, we knew about the swerve, obviously, now when we were watching it, you know, for the show. Did you think it was strange that they were saying the referee's name over and over and over throughout the match? Uh, A little strange, but I think they were just really trying to um, reiterate that there's only one of them and the other guy got surgery. He wasn't a Hebner. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, this is Dave Hebner, and this is an imposter who looks like him. Right. Because even um, Jesse Ventura was like, this is Dave Hebner. He's not the same referee as the one from WrestleMania because he was a shady one, too. WrestleMania three was a shady ending, like I said, McMahon. Like, yeah, I just thought, like, wow, they're strangely alluding to the referee a lot. Yeah, they did, and they wanted everybody to notice. And I think they were kind of explaining things to, like we talked about at the beginning, the the non wrestling crowd, the new crowd. The, yeah. So I mean, I cool. loved it, man. Yeah, absolutely. This was a great choice for the main event, and uh, 
Man Smashers out there. Let us know what you thought about the main event. Let us know what you thought about, you know, February 5th, 1988, the main event. Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant for the strap. Absolutely perfect for WPC Smash main event. Speaking of that, what do you got for us next time? Well, I got a match for you, Mike Morand. And for all you Smashers out there in the in the interverse, and this is one that, you know, really sticks out to me because I'm a big intercontinental title fan, as I'm sure you are and many of you are out there. And we're going to talk about, at the time, the longest reigning intercontinental title reign of all time. And that is going to be the Honky Tonk Man versus the Ultimate Warrior at SummerSlam 1988 for the Intercontinental title. Nice. That's a good one. The Ultimate Warrior comes in as the surprise challenger to uh, challenge the Honky Tonk Man, the reigning Intercontinental Champion of 454 days. Insane amount of time. And this is going to be an epic main event. So check it out. Again, it's going to be the Honky Tonk Man versus the Ultimate Warrior. SummerSlam 1988 for the Intercontinental title. And we will give you the in-depth dive on the next episode of WPC Smash. All right, Mike Moran, the Schwab of wrestling. I have a brain buster for you. And as usual, this is going to have some relevance to the main event of this podcast. So here it is for you, my friend. Almost one year before the referee finish on, on Friday night's main event, Andre and Hogan got it on at WrestleMania 3. WWF boasted breaking the indoor attendance record at that show in the Pontiac Silverdome. What was the attendance that WWF announced broke the indoor attendance record? Now, Mike Moran, you don't have to get it down to the person. If you get it within, you know, very close, within the thousand amount of people that were indoors at the Pontiac Silverdome... I will give you the kick out this week's Brain Buster. Well, no need because I'm sorry, dude. As alluded to earlier, how I like to pretend I can do impressions. This, uh, uh, yeah, I almost said Arnold. This Hulk Hogan quote has the attendance record in it. Etched into the memory? Yes, it does. Oh, baby. So let me see if I can get into it. Brother, good dude. The Pontiac Silverdome dudes, 93,173 Hulkamaniacs, brother, <laughs> eating their vitamins and saying their prayers, dude. What you gonna do when Hulkamania runs wild on you in the Schwab Mike Moran kicks out of the Brain Buster, dude? Oh, man. Hulk Hogan kicks out of the Brain Buster for sure. The Schwab hits it to the person. Sorry, Every dude. concession sand... You know, employee was counted in this number, I'm sure, and you got every single fry guy included. 93,173 people, you know, Just in the Pontiac Silverdome, indoors, breaks the world yep. record, and uh, 
you know, Mike Moran breaking my back on that kick out. That was a big show pressing me over the top rope type kick out. Now, I'm going to say that this kick out is Royal Rumble 1993, the way Yokozuna won the Royal Rumble when Macho Man went with the elbow, tried to pin Yokozuna. Yokozuna kicks out with a press slam and eliminates the Macho Man. Absolutely, dude. I felt good about that one. I'm sorry, but that is just one of those obscure ones that I keep in my memory bank. I thought dude. that number was good, dude. I'm like, man, this is like such a number. Like, there's no way, man. But of, of course, the Schwab surprises me again. All of you should not be surprised at the Schwab skills. So if you have a question out there, hit up WPC Smash on Twitter or Mike Morand on Instagram. And, you know, if you got a trivia question for him, he's a stand-up dude. He's not going to look it up. He's going to give you the answer off the top. And, again, Mike Morand with the kick out on the Brain Buster. Hell of a show. Hell of a main event. I'm stoked for next week to get the Honky Tonk Man and the Ultimate Warrior laid out there for all the smashers. And if you don't got anything else, I think we could give the people a too sweet. Too sweet! But to be the man, you gotta beat the man. And all you got to do is tune in next week. Same Stone Cold time. Same Stone Cold Channel! You can find us on Twitter at WPC Smash. Or on our website, WPCSmash.wordpress.com, where you can find current and past episodes, a donation button, and links for iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, brother.